I kept intending to write more notes and do more research on this episode, and I never got a single opportunity. Uh, so it's going to be a real ramshackle episode, unless you guys have a lot planned to say about the topic. Uh, I, I actually didn't take any notes. Uh, I didn't have the time, you know. Mm-hmm. I assume it's the same with you, Griff. Yeah, I'm opening the the doc now to see what I I can follow <laughs> along with on here. Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, I read it before, but I didn't add anything. So, well, the topic was. I mean, the only thing I really said was "Guts and Casca" is the topic, and mostly I just wanted to go over their relationship. Um, as it starts, and I mean, I don't think we can discuss the full scope of it because that's whenever I first started looking into it, I was like, I'll just look up volume six through eight, and then that will be it. And then I was like, no, I'm I'm looking at the spines of the volumes, and I'm like, no, there's six, there's seven, eight, and then 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 it goes into nine, and and then ten, and and there's a little bit in eleven, and and twelve, and thirteen too, and four. Fuck, <laughs> you know, <laughs> every single volume touches on it in a, a little bit and so that you can't it's hard to pick just one thing to focus on because it's a what's interesting about the way mirror develops it it's it's slow and subtle it's not like one big moment for them you know it's a lot of small moments that build up to them being together well i said let's uh focus on the you know area parts maybe the which part sorry uh the earlier ones earlier you know parts, okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking pre-eclipse, or did you mean is is that even too far? No, 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 no. Pre-eclipse is fine. I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I agree. I, I'll, I'll spit apart. I'll take up what else I have here. I'm just putting, putting know, it together. We could, we could even just do Casca. Did we? Already, we didn't already do Casca. No, didn't we? No. That's true. We can start with Casca. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. I'm getting my volumes in order. So does that mean from the very beginning, or do you mean you want to start from her origin story? Mm. Well, I would say let's start from the beginning, like from her first appearance, you know? Right, yeah. And how it progresses and her relationship with, you know, Gus Griffiths, uh, the rest of the band of the Falcon, uh, okay. everything. Yeah, why do you think Mira chose this character, the, the, the character design, this kind of character, a, a strong female warrior character? Why do you think it was important of him? to have that kind of character. Because she kind of stands out from the rest. And, you know, she's drawn attention to herself, or rather, you know, enemies she encounters draw attention to the fact that a woman on the battlefield is a rare thing. Why do you think Mira went in that direction? Well, I think, you know, the first reason is that uh, it's interesting, you know? Like, yeah, it, it's unusual, and yeah, for that reason, that makes it uh, interesting. Much like, you know, Guts and Griffiths are remarkable uh, each in their own way. And, uh, yeah, I think Casca is remarkable in that regard as well. She's a... I think, you know, I remember Mira saying in the past that he was always very careful. He didn't want to make Casca a character that was, like, stereotypical or, un, you know, untruthful to who a woman would be. So he was always very careful. He tried to make her as realistic as possible, you know, mm -hmm. uh, as far as her mindset goes and that kind of stuff. And I, I think, yeah, I think it was just, well, first, you know, I mean... It, wasn't going to be all about you know guys and such you know it would have been a bit awkward i guess you know you always i mean a good story needs a, a, a you know a lot of interest so right. and uh yeah besides that i think uh it was very interesting you know he walked uh, you know in a lot of stuff you know uh, regarding women you know with casca and stuff that's not you know I mean, that's not easy to treat. And, you know, that goes from, you know, uh, I mean, uh, having your period to, you know, being, you know, 
I mean, the, at that time or at the time, you know, pictured in that, you know, fictional world, you know, rape is a, a common thing. And, you know, Guts, you know, of course, you know, fell, you know, victim yeah. to it. But Casca also, you know, obviously as a woman in a man's world, you know, also. At the, so, so uh, yeah, I think it was the occasion for him to, you know, address many, you know, interesting topics. Yeah, he doesn't shy away from the realities of that world. I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. You know, looking through the series again, you know, you go through volumes one through three. There's not really a hint of Casca or any, you know, companion to Guts. Of course, he's in that stage of his life when he wouldn't necessarily have to reference it. But when Casca's introduced in the Golden Age, do you think Mira intended her to be a character that survived this ordeal? Or is that something that you think came to him as he developed the Golden Age? Yeah. Uh, well, I was just going to say about her in general, just that, uh, yeah, sorry for countermanding the question. Uh, just that I agreed with as like sort of the, the realism of her, like why he chose that kind of character in the first place and that there's a lot of sort of female warrior characters, but that she's the one that like, you know, he pointed out, like she actually feels like a woman. She isn't like this, you know, isn't like a guy. That just you know a, a woman that you know is basically a man. She's still you know very much a woman fighter, mm-hmm. and I guess you know part of the reason. Another reason is like you said, you need a love interest, and it's sort of a realistic love interest for someone like Guts, or you know as he was conceiving all this, you know his black swordsman character. You know what kind of woman would he be with? It's like you know it's interesting to think of other possibilities, but you know that's like that's the only kind of woman that could sort of probably be interesting to him at this phase in his life. Yeah, I agree. So, I was thinking the same thing looking through these earlier volumes is I was trying to imagine a, a better companion for Guts and that is really a female warrior. It makes sense, you know. Would he really ever be with a more commonplace woman? You know, he probably wouldn't or, even. Yeah, like it would be like, what, like a, you know? you know, a, a whore or a bimbo or something cuz that would be like his yeah. only other options really, you know, sort of uh, or you know, he wouldn't get like with a normal village person or like a noble woman or anything. You know, the the sort of stereotypes you would see. It's hard to, you know, it'd have to be someone unique like right. this for it to be a uh, a real relationship. Right. And uh, yeah. what you were saying about whether he intended her to survive or not, my, my feeling on that is like, I don't, I think it just sort of developed organically over time. Cause obviously, like you said, there wasn't any sort of hint of Casca early on. I mean, unless mm-hmm. you count, you know, the demon child and, uh, and so, you know, and we don't even, we didn't even, I don't think we knew that no. was guts son until he was Correct. born. So, uh, yeah, so I mean, there's only that, and then so I think that sort of developed organically over time. Because otherwise, I mean, maybe when he came up with the character and like first drew her, he decided, yeah, this is I know where I'm going with this. But I mean, I don't think you could. There's no proof anyway that he knew that while he was doing the Black Swordsman arc, because right. you know there wasn't any reference to her. You know, God's never thought about her. That's my take on that anyway. To pick up where we left off, uh, you know, I, I think actually, I think uh, Mira intended Casca to be God's love interest when he, you know, when he created her. I, I think she was created with that in mind. And, uh, you know, I think when he decided to do the Golden Age, which was probably pretty early on, he, you know, created each character and, you know, with specific goals in mind. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think he had that in mind for her. But that being said, like, like Griff said, uh, there's no proof or, or anything of it. So it's not like it's a sure thing. But, uh, yeah, that's my, that's my feeling at least. I think he meant it to be, you know, 
a kind of love triangle with Griffiths, but uh, not really. And, uh, you know, he meant for it to be complicated. I think that, that's pretty clear. So, and that's how it develops. That's how he was about, you know, Mira often does things very, you know, I mean, craftily and he plans things in advance so that they happen, you know, very subtly and, you know, progressively. And when they you know, come to light, you're like, wow, fuck, that's what it was, you know. You know, that's what was going on all along. So, and I think that that's how he was able to manage that effect with Casca as well, because her, the development of her relationship with Guts is uh, very progressive, I think. It's funny that you mentioned it as a love triangle, because it's a love triangle that sort of, you know, goes full circle or goes in, you know, every different direction rather than like two guys after the girl. Because there's all these weird, you yeah. know, like, Feelings of camaraderie and everything and other, you know, like needs, you know, feelings of need and emotion and possessiveness, you know, with Griffith towards Guts and vice versa and, you know, obviously towards Casca. Casca sort of gets the short end actually on that other than, you know, Guts' genuine affection for. But, yeah, it's funny to think of it as a, you know, a very unique sort of a fully active love triangle in that sense. Yeah, it's a bit of a, I, you know, maybe Love Triangle is not even the, you know, proper word for it, you know, because it doesn't fit the traditional, you know, definition of the, of the term. But uh, yeah, I, I guess a complicated love story is, and but yeah, it's true, it's, a, it's pretty complicated. But that's also what makes it good, you know, to me. That's what makes the charm yeah. of the story is the fact it's not, it's not straightforward. It's not like. You know, you know, Casca loves Griffiths, then Griffiths doesn't love her, so she just goes for good. It's not like that. She idolized Griffiths, you know, she probably, you know, felt, you know, some kind of love for him, but, you know, maybe misguided, maybe not. Anyway, it's complicated. Then, you know, when Gus comes into the picture, she, you know, progressively for for him. You know, it it even starts with the fact they used to argue a lot, you know, when uh, he first joined the band, you know. It's like, you know, uh, she was jealous of the fact Griffiths, you know, was, uh, how to say, favored him over her, I guess, because he was more proficient in battle and such. And there's also, you know, I mean, it's not uncommon for, you know, guys, a guy and a girl to sort of, you know, bicker and then, you know, fall for each other. It's, I'd say it's even, you know, kind of a cliche, but, you know, it's done in such a way that, you know, like they have this relationship where they feel strongly for each other, even if it's you know arguing, and then it slowly turns into you know love. But there's still Griffiths in the picture, which you know complicates things for both of them. So yeah, it's it's a pretty complicated story. But again, I think that's what makes it you know, beautiful and effective emotionally. You said earlier that you know you think her feelings are that initially were jealousy, but I, I, obviously there's, there's a little more than that. It's not just jealousy; it's that she fears that Guts' influence on Griffith will be negative. You know that he yeah, weakens weakens Griffith. Of course, that comes to a head later on. Uh, yeah, that's actually yeah, you're right. That's actually even it's, it's what she you know puts forward a lot. Like that's yeah. what she, her main reproach for him is that he just thinks about himself and endangers you know the whole band and actually. You know, I'm just, you know, a side note, but it's interesting that in volume five, you know, I always found it very interesting. When she blames him, he reacts very angrily, but afterwards, when she's gone, he tells Griffiths he's sorry. So the thing is, even though he appears like he doesn't give a shit about what she's telling him, the truth is it really, you know, hits him and he feels bad and he tries to correct his behavior. You know, like she, she you know, blames him and he tries to correct it, but he doesn't tell her. And I mean, even at that point, it's already the kind of stuff uh, a couple would do, you know. Right. Are you referring to 
in Volume Five, uh, that first little sortie with uh, with uh, Tudor, or after Zod? No, I, oh, yeah, the first I'm, I'm one. Okay. Yeah, I'm talking about the first one. Yeah, got it. Okay, because she also does something similar after Zod, I think. I'm yeah, the one wrong. after Zod is very. I mean, she says uh, Ksamano Seda. You know, it's, it's right. very. Yeah, I mean, so well, it's a pretty... and I remember Guts doesn't even really feel bad about that one when he's just mad, you know, because she punched him. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was trying to, I was looking through the, I may have said this earlier, but I was trying to pick like one moment for them. And it's difficult to pick one moment for them as, as a couple or as a, as a, as a relationship progresses, because it really is slow and subtle with little, you know, peaks and valleys. But I, I mean, I have to say volume six is probably where it all begins to change uh, with them falling off the cliff together and then spending time together. That sort of changes the nature of their relationship. I think both of them begin to think of each other a little bit differently after that moment, after having to spend time fighting so closely together and spending personal time together. It changes yeah. them from just, you know, sort of rivals to companions, you know, to allies. Yeah, that's, well, that's where, it, uh, at least that's where it became obvious to the reader, I think. You know, may, uh, maybe not obvious, but that's where you start to think, oh, yeah, I think I, I see where this is going. Uh, at least, you know, I know in my case, you know, from that point on, I was like, okay, yeah. You know, I see what's going on here. So, yeah. yeah, I would say that's a turning point, you know, towards, you know, true love, you know, in their relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, but, uh, yeah, <clears throat> sorry. No, 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 I was going to, please continue if you have something to add to that. Well, I was going to add that before that, I mean, you know, sort of interestingly enough, it when it really, like, when you first see sort of them having, you know, any sort of, like, bonding you know moment where they're not bickering or fighting or just you know acting in uh acting in accordance in just sort of a professional manner and that they're both in this band and have to deal with each other is is after the assassination at least in my memory mm. that's the first time you can see that she's you know she's kind of concerned for him yeah you're you know right. she yeah. she bandages his arm she can see that he's you know troubled and that they that's sort of their first kind of moment together where it's you know and they also they can bond over you know they don't. They don't actually say anything to each other, but just over Griffith's words, you know, it hurts both of them. And yeah, then they uh, both end up leaving, and she just has that, you know, moment of intuition. And I think that's the first time they sort of have a a connection, you know, beyond just uh, the superficial things that they were dealing with before. I think people often underestimate Casca's prowess as a warrior because uh, she seems pretty proficient in battle, and it's something we often forget because of her current state. Do you think she'll be uh, how how much uh, of a warrior think she'll be when she comes back? I know I'm jumping ahead quite a bit, but I, I think that's something people often take for granted is, is how she was on the battlefield. Do you think that's something that'll come back into play, or was it something her role as a warrior merely served a purpose in the Golden Age? You know what I mean? I'll well, be I think pretty disappointed if uh, sorry, as no. Well, well, I was going to say uh, pretty much the same thing. I I think he's going to she's going to come back as a warrior. Uh, pretty obviously, it's just you know I mean. Like many things, it's been, you know, teased and, and, you know, for a long time. Like, you know, when she... She when can see... still kill rapists, that's for sure, so... Yeah, you know, I mean, she, she kills those guys and, you know, yeah. there's a little scene, you know, when she, uh, she's escaping, you know, with uh, Isidro, you know, uh, during the conviction arc where, like, she drops from the rope and, you know, just by reflexes, she, she just jumps down and, you know, falls, falls down, you know, no problem. Right. So I, I think it implies she still has got, uh, I mean, all of her wire instincts and such inside and yeah she she wasn't you know the number you know three uh warrior inside the band of the falcon i think like you said you know people don't really take it for granted but yeah she, she i mean 
she was just, you know, uh, below Gats and Griffiths. So she's she's a pretty, you know, professional warrior. And I, I think, you know, with the right equipment, you know, much like, you know, Serpico is able to, you know, hold his own against, you know, uh, supernatural threats. She should be able to, you know, you know, do something, you know, do nice stuff. I mean, she won't just, you know, be laying, you know, by the, you know, way, way side. Oh, yeah, on sure, sure. Yeah, I, I just wonder, you know, the kind of role she'll play ultimately, uh, if it will be, you know, right alongside Guts like it's always been. I can't imagine it wouldn't be, it would be otherwise. I can't imagine it'd be, you know, her supporting him from afar or anything. Obviously, again, uh, I'm jumping way too ahead of the conversation. We're still back in the past, but I couldn't I resist. Don't you yeah. mean she's going to join Griffith? She's going to join the Falcons again. Be a sword. Oh, God. Yeah, is that is that point so difficult to get for people that her role changed? Everyone, It seems like the people that are mis- misunderstood about Casca's feelings seem to just forget her development past Volume 7 or so. They just ign- ignore also, everything that happened. I think this is actually a good opportunity to sort of set straight, like, I think it's a misinterpretation to think that because she was, you know, when Griffith was crippled, and she was gonna, you know, she was saying she had to stay with him and take care of him, basically, you know, because... You know, they misinterpreted that as, like, something that she would, you know, continue to follow after he raped her. Right. You know, I don't yeah, think, you know, but... that was something That was something she didn't actually want to do out of, like, you know, a preference for Griffith or anything. That was, like, something, that was, like, an obligation. Yeah, she was crying you know? yeah. at Gut's knees because of the decision she had to make. It wasn't, yeah, like, Yeah, because she, she, she would have really rather gone with Guts and been with Guts and had a life with him. It's just that she felt this obligation to this man that, you know, that I guess, you yeah. know, she probably felt feelings of guilt and, you know, everything else letting him down and the way he is and just that he owed it to him. And I don't think she's going to feel that way anymore. You so know, You know, yeah. Like you said, you know, the thing is, in that scene, she's, uh, you know, Guts himself says he'll stay as well, you know. He tells her yeah. he'll stay with her because he's the same. I mean, not to the extent, you know, she feels, but he also feels bad and guilty and such. And he wants to stay with her. And she tells him to go, like, she's sacrificing herself. She knows he doesn't want to to stay there and, you know, just waste his life. And she will do it because, you know, it's also a way in which, I mean, it's something... It's not something a man would, you know, do. You know what I mean? But you know, it's some, it's a, it's something a woman would do. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. sacrificing oneself, you know, in devotion, just you know, because you feel guilty, just such a thing. It's, I think, it's more of a fem- feminine threat. And uh, yeah, she, she, it's like she doesn't do it because she loves Griffiths or anything like that. She, she does it because, you know, otherwise, you know, he can't stay alive. And he was good to her, you know, at some time, and she, she has to, you know, do it for him, but. Yeah, pretty obviously, you know, what happened with the eclipse and, you know, the rape, you know, from Femto and anything just completely changed at that point. It's kind of editorializing a little bit, but what do you think was going through her head when Griffith threw her, threw himself on her in the wagon? Do you think she thought it was simply a mistake? <laughs> Honestly, confused? no, I, I think she's embarrassed and uh, because she feels bad for him, she goes along with it. Yeah. Honestly, I think in the scene it's pretty clear. Like, she 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 knows what's going on, and she doesn't you know like it or anything. But because of his state, she just goes along with it. Right, right. I think it's you know again a case of her just you know not sacrificing herself, I guess. But uh, yeah, something along those lines. You know, she's just taking it because because she's nice and because she knows what a what pain Griffith is in right now and how he feels anything like that. I mean, I, you know, he went from being, you know, 
not a father figure, but an idol to being something more like a child you need to take care of, you know. And that's that's pretty much his state, you know, at that point. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> again, as I said earlier, I didn't prepare like a structure or notes for this episode. That's why we're kind of jumping around a lot. I'm, I'm just kind of picking, picking topics up as I think about them, but. Well, if you want to pick a random topic, that's also, you know, going far ahead. There's the case of our child, you know, people often, I, I think, you know, underestimate or even fail to take into account the fact, you know, as a, as a child and while uh it's played us it's played a strong role you know when you know so far as a oh, she is you know like out of her mind but you know it's going to play a very strong role i think even after she she comes back to herself it's going to be central i mean she's a mother it's a son it's god's son as well even though he doesn't really know it yet so yeah i think it's going to be a very central part of you know the story after she comes back to herself an interesting little uh, sub-point to that is there's sort of this notion that, like, you know, people take for granted, like you said, about how she's changed. But there's also sort of this notion that, like, she's been static since the eclipse. Just, you know, her yeah. mind has been uh, gone. But, I mean, she has gone through a lot of changes, not only in, you know, her relationship with Guts. But like you said, like, you know, the motherhood angle now with the, the, new, uh, the new child, basically. Like, yeah, it's interesting all the changes she's gone through. You know, sort of silently, you know, we don't get her perspective on it. We don't get her thoughts on it. But obviously, you know, she does have these, you know, natural instincts and feelings and feel strongly towards things. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just interesting because I don't know. I think I feel like people have felt like her character has been like, you know, I don't know, like she's been dead or something since then. And we're waiting for her to come back. But I mean, there has things have been uh, going on and changing with her. Yeah, it's interesting also that she can feel the child, you know, regardless of his appearance or anything like that. She's she's been able to to feel him, you know, ever since he was born. And uh, you know, whenever he appeared, you know, as you know, Griffith or as a Moonlight Boy, you know, she was instantly able to sense his presence, you know. So, you know, it's it's beyond, you know, it's something and it's something guts can't do. So, you know, it's really maybe because, you know, I mean, she carried him or anything like that. But, yeah, she she can feel him. And uh, so, yeah, that's actually a pretty big thing to me. I'm not quite sure I get your point, Griffith. I mean, obviously, she's going to respond as a mother when she senses her child nearby. I mean, I get that. But are you saying there's like a, there's like a secondary development happening with a character that will ultimately play a role later? Because it seems to me that when she's restored, any development she might have right now as a character is sort of – kind of hit like the reset button you don't think yeah, so? oh you think it's gonna be i don't yeah i don't think so at all okay. uh, not on that front i think she's still gonna you know have all these feelings i mean maybe i mean maybe you're right in the sense that she's gonna like wake up and it'll be like she had amnesia you know for the last few years but i think all that is gonna come back to her pretty naturally and there's gonna be like a reconciliation mm. of of both these uh these things where it's gonna change her priorities and we're gonna see the old cask as you know personality but mm-hmm. she's going to have a, a a totally different agenda, mm-hmm. so it, I think that'll be an interesting you know thing when it happens. But also, I was just making the point that like you know she hasn't been like you know the joke is sort of that you know she hasn't done anything in you know however many years she's just sort of there physically or causing trouble. Mm-hmm. Where you know if you if you really wanted to focus on her, there has been things going on with her character. Yeah, well, I mean, she's also the unsaid thing here is she she's developed. A relationship with Farnese, even even if it's a little comic relief in a lot of ways, you know she 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 bonds to her, she plays with her. I think it says something because it's you know every other female character she encounters is kind of the same way. But 
Farnese has become a real companion for her, I think, more than anybody else in the in the group. I wonder if it'll stay the same way given Farnese's feelings for guts. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, actually. I think it's uh, part of many things uh, Mira's been setting up, you know, slowly and carefully, so that when she actually wakes up, he's, he's going to, you know... I mean, it will be interesting. The group the dynamics will be, you know, pretty interesting because it's not just Farnese, but also, you know, Shurke. So, right. yeah, I, I think it's going to be, I mean, a lot of it will be interesting. How will they all react? How will Casca behave towards everybody, including Guts, you know? And, you know, Griffith said earlier that her personality will be the same as the old one, but uh, her agenda will be different. Actually, I'm not sure her personality will be the same, you know? I mean... Her personality already had changed, you know, quite a bit, I would say, during the, you know, golden age, you know, as things progressed. And I wonder if, I wonder if it won't. I mean, she experienced very, you know, certain things that traumatized her. I wonder how she'll be. I wonder if she won't be a bit more quiet or, you yeah, know. I agree. Yeah, so it will be interesting <clears throat> to see. And at the same time, yeah, she she's very fierce. I mean, she's a woman that's, I think, fierce, fierce, you know, at heart. So I think that would also be interesting to see, you know, in many ways, you know. Oh, and she's also the kind of, I mean, she she was used to being in charge, you know. So right. it it would be funny to, to see her actually taking charge, you know. Like, you know, so far, you know, Roderick, you know, always the first to guts, you know. He call, calls him captain, you know, captain as in, you know, military captain, not the captain of the ship. So, you know, even though guts, you know, pretends he's not in charge, he's, he is in charge. He always was in charge. Even when he says Shiruke is, you know, you know in charge, he's always in charge. So the thing is, you know, it will be interesting to see whether Casca, you know, actually takes up that role or not. And it it would be, I think, pretty natural, you know. She, I was, I was just going to say, I mean, you're right that they've Mira's written a sort of gap in the leadership role within the group. I mean, it's there, but it's sort of implicit. It's not a direct leadership that Guts takes. And often, you know, he lets Shirke be, you know, be calls her the leader sometimes too. But yeah. it seems to me that there is an opportunity for Casca to, to, you know, as a more natural leader for that group. Yeah. And uh, again, we said earlier that uh, about how she was a proficient warrior, you know, but she she was also a proficient commander, you know, she yeah. she was uh, second to Griffith. And uh, Mira emphasized the fact she was a very capable, you know, uh, commander and leader. And, yeah. you know, including by the fact she managed to lead the, the Falcons when they were ambushed, you know, by the Midlands uh, army right. and keep them going for a year, even though she was wounded and such. It's no, it's, it's no small feat, you know, in a way it's, uh, it's also something Griffiths, you know, didn't have to, to endure. So I, I think it's, uh, you know, testimony as to her, you know, prowess as a, you know, a tactician, a leader, a commander, wh- whatever you want. Yeah. Well, to bring this uh, full circle, I think the obvious sort of the way this connects with the past and where it's going in the future is that she's sort of the one, she's the person that can say no to guts. You yeah. know, just on on any topic where she can, you know, say like, no, that's a dumb idea. You know, we're not going to do that. You know, and I mean, and, and, you know, it's already been foreshadowed in a in a grander sense. But just in yeah. the idea that she can say no to him, she can like she wouldn't be afraid to cancel or question his orders. Whereas like Shirke has pointed out that, you know, they're all sort of fools for him, whereas she yeah. won't be. She'll actually tell him like, you know, no, you're being an idiot. And put no. the face in the yeah. process. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point. Actually, I had not considered that before. But every almost everyone in the group is there, is a, is a direct result of guts or as an indirect result of guts. I mean, Farnese is there for directly for him. Serpico is there for Farnese. Roderick's there for Farnese. 
you know, he's like a he's almost like a spiritual leader. Like right. they, they they don't ever question what he says. I mean, yeah. Serpico does, but he still he sort of has to go along. But yeah, but, and you know, even when Shiruke disagrees with him and tells him like he's not doing something, he just he just ignores it. <laughs> he's yeah. like, oh, it's dangerous! Don't do this, and he does it anyway. When the skull knight, when the fucking skull knight tells him not to do something or that it's dangerous, he just yeah. says, yeah, hey, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'm up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So even so, I mean, even though he realizes afterwards, but the thing is, yeah, he does. He pretty much doesn't doesn't listen to anybody. I mean, he he just doesn't listen to what anybody tells him. <laughs> he's just. Oh, I guess that's so what another, it, it would be interesting if, you know, like, Casca will say no to him. Like, But it would also be interesting to see how he reacts. Like, will he listen or will he try to do, you know, just do what he always does and sort of have to, and get set straight, you know, and sort of realize it's going to be a problem for him if he doesn't listen to her in a way that it's not a problem with the others? Honestly, I don't know, man. I think yeah. her coming back, he's going to – he's really going to have to step back and see, you know – I think he'll basically t- – I can't word it properly, but I think her coming back as a human, he hasn't quite comprehended how that's going to change him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think he'll have like sort of deference for that and then he'll be, you know, yeah. Yeah. He'll be wanting to to follow her orders just, you know, just because it'll be good to hear her orders anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, it's going to be a big change for him. And uh, I don't think we as the reader or, or Guts has considered how, how much it could affect him, you know? What's sure is going to be a pretty big deal for him. Pretty much the biggest deals that could be. Right. Yeah. Uh, I had a couple other, other things I was going to say, but they're kind of – I'm kind of losing it right now. Can't well, do we want to go back to, you know, when they fell in the cave and the bonfire dreams and all that? Yes, but I, I don't know how many direct points I have to make about bonfire dreams that are not already, like, obvious. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, well established. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure how much I could offer that's profound. <laughs> uh, that it's not already obvious. It's, it's a great scene. Don't get me wrong. I just don't know how much I can say about it. Um, somebody else. Well, does. And, fact- I had something to say about the hundred man fight. Just okay. The, go for uh, it. Just really quickly. I mean, this isn't anything, uh, you know, unobvious. But uh, as you were you were pointing out, this is sort of the first time they sort of bond and see each other differently, or at least you know when it really cements it. You know the way their relationship changes, and I think really the moment. Is sort of when he, you know, forces her to leave. And, you know, first they're, they're fighting back to back, you know, and it's only them. And that's obviously a, you know, a big moment for them. But just the fact that he sends her away and, you know, even though he is just going to, you know, and even, you know, sarcastically sort of says, didn't you say all I like to do is, you know, fight and swing my sword and everything? But he's doing it to protect her. And he's basically he's willing to sacrifice himself and yeah. die there if it comes to that to allow her to escape. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where she really sees, you know, his value and sort of a little bit what Griffith saw in him and just, you know, as a warrior, you know, sort of how special he is. And that he isn't just, you know, about his own glory or just about the fighting, but that he, he wants to use that for something greater. Yeah, the thing is, yeah, he's, he's you know, he's selfless. He, he's not just thinking about himself. You know, what she actually, uh, how to say, what she always reported him before is that he was just thinking about himself and doing whatever he wanted. But, yeah, I think it shows him in a light where... He's he's not he's yeah pretty selfless. He doesn't mind dying there. I, I I think it opens up a window actually. She sees what his life has been and what his personality is. Not just you know a man fighting and just you know bloodthirsty, but a man who uh, you know 
what's uh, doesn't value his life very much, which is actually what Griffiths saw in him very early on, that right. he wasn't somebody who cared much about living. You know, he just fought, and if he has to die, he'll just die for it. And actually, I have quite a bit of things to say about you know this scene. So, go ahead and finish after that. I'll talk. That's the end of uh, my point. Adding on to what you just said, I mean, she also sees that Guts is the kind of guy, even though he seems like a blunt person, he can see the big picture around the Falcons and you know how everyone's drawn to Griffith. I mean, hence the whole uh, name, Bonfire of Dreams. He's not just a you know a tough guy, basically. Yeah, you know, there's, there's, you know, about the case, a thing or so, Guts, what to say, he just, you know, he takes care of her. Like, that's that's the kind of thing that, you know, will make two characters close to each other, you know. The fact he has to take care of her, he, you know, reanimates her after she half drones. He takes her to the cave, he, you know, changes her, so he sees her naked. He even takes care, I mean, of her, you know, again, her period, you know, and that kind of stuff, and... Of course, she's humiliated. She reacts, you know, a bit strongly to that. After that, they have a talk where he, you know, she confides into him, you know, tells him, you know, some about her life and such. And he, I think his reaction is also something she, she can appreciate, you know. The fact he he's, you know, pretty, you know, uh, sensitive about it, you know. Mm-hmm. He reacts, you know, I don't know how to word it properly, but he's, you know, considerate, you know. And... um after that, even when they're walking in the forest, you know, the way in which he, you know, urges her, you know, back on her feet, you know, like he's, you know, giving her some tough talk, but it's, you know, so she can keep going on, you know, and there are some shots, you know, where you see him smiling, you know, as she keeps going. I think all the little stuff is, you know, it, you know, what say, contributes to developing their relationship, you know, and pushes it, you know, further uh, not just as comrades anymore, but you know, as you know, people who have a you know personal relationship. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, sorry, I was thinking about something else the whole time, but you had good points. Yeah, well, you know, fuck you. And I'm <laughs> gonna keep going on and to say that, uh, yeah, of course, this is you know, you know, that's the part where she, you know he takes cover, and then you know after he's wounded, you know, she runs up to him. She's, you know, truly, you know, I mean, her face when she sees that he's alive is, you know, I mean, that's not something she does at any other time in the series. So I guess, you know, uh, in itself, it's enough. It's a proof of, you know, sure. how much come to care about him. I mean, that- I mean, what really shows it to me is, I mean, she cares even more about him at that point than Griffith does. I mean, when yeah. they found him after the hundred man fight, he just stands there and looks at him. So yeah, Cascus that- gives him a hug and cries, yeah. and everyone's like, "Yeah." The the juxtaposition is, I mean, Griffith. I mean, I, I I guess he didn't feel as strongly about guts as you know yeah. I previously imagined. So Bill, he, he showed up, and that says something. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Well, anyway, sorry. So- yeah, so, yeah, and after that, of course, you know, when they, they get back at the camp, you know, she takes care of, uh, of his wounds, you know, you know, on the heel, you know, applies medicine to it, and yeah, that's another, you know, big part of the bonding experience, you know, the fact she takes care of him, that kind of stuff, and it's things she also, you know, did, you know, uh, you know, at many other times, you know, so yeah, I think that's, that's a part of it, and you know, I remember even, you know, still at that point in the Hawks, you know, we have to keep in mind that Guts, you know, doesn't like to be touched by anybody. And he actually let 
Casca touch him. You know, that's something. When they made love, it's you know uh, what he reflected upon. And but yeah. you know, yeah, I think it's something. It's a point worth you know uh, underlining is that the fact he doesn't mind her touching him. You know, whereas even when you know Pippin picks him up, you know after they have his first fights, you know with the Falcons. Griffiths picks him up to bring him down to have a drink, and you know he gets crazy, you know, you know, Hotse uh, elbowing him in the face and such. So even at that time, he still, you know, Mura underlines how he doesn't like to be touched by anybody. So yeah, I think it's it's all you know meshes up together to you know create their relationship, of a very profound one, I would say. Yeah. Um, when Casca ultimately is raped by Femto, she regresses to childhood. Why, why childhood? Well, obviously I'm, it's a. Go ahead. I'm not sure. We. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it's childhood uh, in particular. Yeah, she, just that she, she's sort of like. I'm trying to think of the correct way to say it. Like, uh, well, no, she's, she's just sort of. She's become. She becomes mute. You know, it's sort of simple. I guess is the way to put it. Like she isn't. Oh. You know. Go ahead, As. See if you can do better than that. Because. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's a bit complicated, but yeah, I would say her mind is gone. Like, she's got the reflexes and such. She knows how to eat or anything, but she's not a child, you know? She's not there. She can't speak. It's, you know, if you go childhood, then it would have to be at the stage of, you know, barely a toddler, I guess, you know? She's, uh, like Griffith said, she's simple, but it's not even simple. She's just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's a bit hard to, you know, I don't think it's, I'm not sure it's really a, a condition that exists in the real world, you know? It's a bit, you know, convenient. I guess mm-hmm. for the purpose of the story, but I yeah. mean, I, I see what, what of, you, I see what Walter means. She's very childlike at times. Like, I mean, yeah. just the whole like when they're trying to eat, and then the way she, you know, like she uh, she uh, shies away from him, you know, and is just you know doesn't want him to yeah. touch her, you know. That that's very childlike. But I also just think that it's like I don't think she's actually that like it's that specific a condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah go ahead. You, you said you've heard of uh, well, I'm, I'm just saying I'd, I'd heard of regression. And regression to, you know, if you are faced with a traumatic incident, you can regress to childhood. It's a, I think it's a Freud theory. You know how much Freud's theories have held up over time, but that doesn't mean people. That doesn't mean people don't incorporate him into literary literary oh, yeah. works. You know. So. Yeah, of course. And and you know, yeah, that probably. I mean, there's very you know many uh, diverse you know types of you know such uh, problems. Sure. So that's probably. I mean, it's very possible. Muir actually inspired himself well, from one such cases. So. Walk, walk with me for a little bit. Let's pretend that's legit. Let's pretend it is regression just for a second. Okay. If that is the case, isn't it possible that she regressed to a point in her life before Griffith, before Griffith had become a part of her life? That's a yeah. that's a neat and interesting point. Sure, but she was already, I mean, not a teenager, but she was already, I don't know, maybe 12 at the time. If she she was talk. So. She was very young. Uh, d- does she say anything in that scene? In her chi- in her childhood scene, I'm not sure that she, she does. No, yeah, she does when she because she wants to go along. She like has to go. Or are you talking about when she meets Griffith or like, Griffith? When she's yeah, plowing? yeah. Oh, she, she does. Yeah, she does say, "Let me come with you." Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Just a thought I had. I wasn't thoroughly sold on it, but something I thought. Well, I, was I mean, she sure. doesn't. It wouldn't have to be that she regressed to just right before she met Griffith. I mean, it might have just been you know that she went all the way back. I'm right. I'm fine with you know saying that she's sort of she's. I mean, she's childlike, you know, and mm-hmm. everything. I just think it's yeah. like a loaded way to say it because it makes you think of her as like you know. I don't think she's supposed to be thought of as like a child. She's no, just yeah. you know. It's just you know, her like as said, her mind is gone. 
Right. Yeah, she's retreated into the far reaches of her mind to avoid, you know, the pain or something like that. So, and, I mean, in some ways, you know, she's almost like at times she would act like almost feral. You know, she tried to bite guts. You know, and yeah, the way she she didn't know how to eat and everything like that. I mean, you could just as easily sort of compare it to that. And she's been sort of re-civilized in this condition. Well, she, also, of, she also pees on herself. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like where she's just totally like out of it, like childlike. Yeah. Actually, well, no, actually, I, I think Griff is right. She, she's more like a wild animal, you know, at first at least. She, she's mm-hmm. she's pretty wild. And, you know, in the same way that she defends herself against, you know, her aggressor, you know, when, uh, you know, yeah. she, she's attacked, you know, several times and such, including Guts. I think she's, uh, yeah, she, she's, she, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't really agree with saying she's childlike, but, you know, okay. I guess. Uh, I don't really well. agree with it either. I'm just making conversation mostly. <laughs> well. Yeah, I'm just fucking with you, dude. <laughs> well, anyway, it's it's an interesting uh, point because I really wonder what we are going to see when you know time comes to you know get her cured. You know, when the you know King of the Flower Storm you know has to. I don't know if you know he'll go into a mind or anything like that. But I'm really curious as to how it will go down and uh, how you know it will be pictured and if we'll get any explanation as to what. Why she was like that and not, mm-hmm. you know, different or anything like that. It's pretty. I mean, Guts himself, you know, was traumatized by these events, you know, uh, you know, as shown by his Black Swordsman period and such. So yeah, it will be curious, even for the two of them to have a conversation about it. So yeah, yeah. there's. I can't imagine having a conversation about Casca and a restoration without addressing what Skull Knight says and what's on a lot of fans' minds with her actual restoration and whether or not there will be consequences to it, you know, yeah. what she wants is yeah. not what you want, you know, and, and obviously it's such a, it is such a loaded statement. Well, it can yeah, mean so many Kido, things. Yeah. And he doesn't even say it like that. He said, what she wants may not be what you want. So it's a bit, okay. you know, it's not, a, I mean, it's not even a sure thing or anything. It's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty vague, I would say. Sure. I mean, course, and that could course. be in reference to you know after the fact, or just the fact that you know there's a there's a reason she's like this. Yeah. And if you and if you force her to go back, it's not you know it's not necessarily going to be for for the good of everything. It might just be it might be really bad. And that's why yeah. that statement seems so strange to me because it seems so clear that that's the direction the story's moving. It's not like they're going to get to the precipice of restoring her and then. She doesn't want to turn back, and that's going to go. Oh, all right, then let's can the whole thing. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem logical. You know, so well, it's going to something's going to happen. Just a matter of, I don't think. I mean, guts is sort of you know he's bothered by it, but like you know, as we pointed out, he doesn't listen to anyone. So he, he I mean, he's going to do it. I mean, that's the whole point. It's just a matter of, you know, is that going to be in the back of his mind? You know, while whatever you know whatever's going on to restore her is happening, and then afterwards, if things are bad, I mean, if she's just like in constant anguish. You know, if she can't get the thoughts out of her head, you know, of what happened to her, it, you know, is he going to, you know, just feel responsible? Is it going to be, is she going to be in an even worse state? So I imagine it could be that she's restored, but she can't cope with everything that's happened in the interim until she, maybe she has to run away for a while, be by herself before she can emerge as, you know, yeah. a sane yeah. human again, you know? Yeah, I think I could agree. I mean, I, I could see that uh, happening. There's many, you know, you know, just to be simple, I think that what the Skull Knight essentially says is, you know, yeah, there's going to be trouble. Things won't be, you know, all that simple, you know. It won't be just, you know, snap your fingers and, you know, everything's back and anything like that. So, yeah, she she might have to, you know, stay a while by herself, 
you know, and maybe, you know, learn to reappreciate guts, you know, for who he is and anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you have to keep in mind Guts is a very different person now than he was when she last saw him, you know, as yeah. I was saying, you know, he's, I mean, for, for one part, he's, he's, you know, quite weathered, you know, I mean, he's lost an arm, an eye, yeah, she saw yeah. that, but, you know, that was during the, maybe she wasn't focused on it or anything, so, yeah. And not and, even uh, just that, that, the condition of his body in general, yeah, since, even since even that, you know? Yeah, he's just covered in, you know, scars and, and he's yeah. become, I mean, a part of him now he's a he's a kind guy and anything like that but there's a part of him that you know that's dark you know and that's of course represented by the beast of darkness uh, aptly, aptly named you know but the thing is yeah there's you know I mean he's more damaged than he was before a lot more you know both physically and, and psychologically so yeah it might be you know quite a bit you know quite a lot for her to chew you know and well, that being said though we've as we said before Casca is the I think Casca is the key to resolving that of you course, know, the, the issue was in guts. Yeah. Now, uh, this actually uh, this made me think of something. Do you guys see a scenario, or even maybe we should even expect this, where yes. you know after she's restored? No, <laughs> I, I haven't said what we should expect yet. <laughs> uh, where she's restored, and you know because they're both such different people that not only is it going to be like there's going to be this awkwardness, but to the point that not only do they not immediately reconcile, but maybe they even decide, like, you know, Casca would be the one to say this, I think, more than Guts, that, you know, we shouldn't, you know, reconcile right away. That, you know, maybe we don't have, you know, as much in common as we thought, or there's just so much, you know, there's so much scar tissue there. Mm. And they sort of, you know, maybe there's even, you know, Casca says, like, I don't want this right now. You know, I don't yeah. want to be with you. I don't want to be like that. We're just going to be like, you know... Yeah, but you know, it, so it would be it would be interesting because I mean that it's it's be very cruel to you know guts and the reader because this is obviously something we've been waiting for. But at the same time, it would be a a good opportunity to sort of have to watch them watch them take I the just, long haul, a lot of tension there, and for well, them to get back together again. You, you know, I think it's uh, possible, but you know, I think what's very clear, and you know, I mean, I'm you know, you know, a hundred percent certain of this is. If this happens, you know, regardless of whether something like this happens or not, in the end they're going to, you know, get back together. I mean, yeah, that's the yeah, thing. Much. Like, even if even if Mura does it, like she comes back to herself and then she can't take it and she has to, you know, be by herself for a while. You know, that's like, you know, adding insult to injury. Like after so long, you're stabbed in the back, but it's yeah. only because, you know, she still get back with him afterwards, and you're like, oh yes, you know. So, <laughs> well, yeah. I guess when I, I guess like I'll simplify it like to more sort of just practical. Do you think basically, do, what do you think? Do, what do you think is more likely that like as soon that this will be the culmination when she's restored? Like, are they gonna have a moment where they just embrace immediately, or do you think there's gonna be sort of a long road ahead before they can even you know get to the point where they might? embrace in a romantic way like a big you know like a big wet kiss you know that sort of that sort of triumphant moment where they're like they're back the closest thing we probably had is you know after he defeated uh mozgus yeah yeah that well, was I, the moment where he you know he grabbed her and she sure. you know she was fine with it and they just had, and, you know, and it was and it was surprising because it, it was important to him to embrace her in that moment yeah that's also when he i mean one moment that was very important is when he rescued her from the, you know, the heretics, you know. I think that's also a very powerful moment. You know, he doesn't embrace yeah. her, but, yeah, he's there, she's there, and it's it's pretty, you know. I think it's a, it's a very big moment for the two of them. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and the Mandragora as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, you know, yeah, that being said, it's, you know, I mean, that story was written by Muir himself. So. Yeah, you know what? That's actually, you know, we should talk about that when we discuss this because, yeah, like, he wrote those, well, I don't know how good the translation is, the English one, but, I mean, she was perfectly, you know, like, down for guts there. There was no sort of, uh, yeah, yeah, awkwardness or any sort of, like, there wasn't any doubt. Right. That being said, I mean... The Mandragora, the, the effect of the Mandragora on a human like that. Well, it's I don't think like a be... false sanity, right? So... Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't think we can calculate it. I mean, yeah, I it might have even say... just like bypassed everything right. that had happened Precisely. to her. So we we don't know. We that's out of bounds. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. It's just you know, but, it's it's an interesting look at Mira's impossible intentions, though. Sure. And to answer your other question, though, um, about what to expect, long road ahead, or instant sanity, instant happiness. I just have to imagine as a consequence to – even though as, long, as far as Guts has traveled, I can't imagine they'll just arrive in Elfilm, encounter the King of Flower Storm, and he unlocks the key to Casca Sanity, and that's it. I can't imagine that's the end of the road. Well, I, I wasn't talking about like how – like I was going to ask you guys next. Do you think it's – when they get to Elfilm, how quickly do you think – you know, is it going to be another t- – a 10-volume quest to get her sanity restored or will it be no, rather quick or – I think they'll address it quickly. Yeah. I don't know whether the the end result will be as quick as we might expect, but I, I, I think was, it's, it's going to be. I was just referring order. to after the fact, though. Like once she is cured, like you know, however long it takes them to sort of get to the point where she's cured, how long after the fact it would be like for them to you know reconcile. I don't think it'll be immediate. I, I think there has to be some kind of pain there with the rejoining of the personalities and and the, the fact that so much has happened, as as Azila said. I just have to imagine there's going to be some coping that has to take place before they can be on the same ground again. Yeah. And if she she does if she does remember everything that happened to her, I mean the last time they interacted, you know, in any significant way, she tried to attack him and yeah. then he assaulted her. Yeah. So that's, you know, those are definitely, you know, Guts has some splaining to do, you know, on that front, big time. I think he's explained enough with his actions over the past three years, honestly. Yeah. As that being said, there's also, I mean, again, about the child, you know, I mean, he, he, I think it's yeah, going to be is, complicated. He, I he mean, hasn't he, been he, the best dad. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, honestly, I think ever, even if, you know, they get back uh, with each other and they are happy and such, I think it's not going to be, you know, it would be boring almost in a way if they were just, you know, their relationship became state, stat, static, you know, like, you know, okay, they're in love, she's back, he's back, at, you know, and it, then it doesn't move anymore. You know, during the rescue, for example, you know, uh, <clears throat> rescuing of Griffiths, you know, there are these little interactions, you know, some kind of mini yeah. arguments. It was, you know, at times it was cute. At times it was a bit more, you know, emotional, you know. Uh, but the thing is, I think this kind of stuff is still, you know, going to be, you know, uh, actual, you know. So, like, you know, yeah. especially when it comes to the kid, you know, like, you know, uh, what are we doing about the kid and that kind of stuff. I think it's going to be pretty, you know, pretty special. Uh, including, you know, we've joked before about the fact Casca could be the one to want revenge, you know, on Griffiths, while Gus would be happy to just stay in her fam and, you know, just re- relax, you know. And uh, I think she might also have the drive to rescue the child or something of, of the sort, you know, but, you know, so, sort of not not just, you know, be content to, you know, let uh, her son, you know, just wander the world and not be, you know, a, uh, you know, let's say a dominant part of his life or anything like that. So I, I think there's a lot of topics on which, you know, um that might complicate the relationship. 
Yeah, Casca's intention to set out again might be simply to rescue their child, and, and Griffith being just, you know, just whatever, but getting their kid back would be the priority. However, it has to happen. You know, that might be her, her thought. Yeah. Well, Guts is preoccupied with Griffith. But, you know, again, so far in the future, who knows? Well, the thing is, those two objectives, I mean, you know, from afar, they kind of, you know, uh, you know, joined, you know, they're joined. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's more of a common goal at first. You know, when it will be uh, problematic is when, you know, they get in, like when they're in front of Griffith and he's like, yeah. well, sure, go ahead. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that might be a problem. Yeah, of course, and the fact uh, he's like, you know, godlike or anything like that. So, yeah. Complication yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might be a bit difficult to just you know you know off him. <laughs> well, that's pretty good, guys. Uh, I did not plan anything. We guys still made it pretty far into this topic, so I think that's a good enough place to stop it for now. You guys cool? Yeah, with that? I mean, if you just tell us to talk about Berserk and go, I think we can do it any <laughs> at least sure. every other week. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still, with very few lulls between topics, I'm just impressed. I think we did a good job. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, just like always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, um, I invested in some new computer parts, which I've not done since uh, 2008, right after I got I think married. I saw that on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I bought some new PC parts, and you know, even though time has passed. You know, it's still not a super easy process. I've, I've, been, I've been putting together computers since, I think, 94, 95 was the first PC I built. And it's, you know, it seems like it's gotten more difficult and more frustrating, actually, over time, even though technology's really? progressed. Yeah, absolutely. It's never it's never been an, a super easy. Actually, I, I would say it used to be easier for me back in oh, the early you know, days. Well, I have to disagree with that. I'm sorry okay. to interrupt, but you know, I I recently I I built you know PCs for people from time to time, you know, for my friends, you know, and such because they are not necessarily you know tech savvy, and and I don't mind. And uh, so I I built a couple of PCs, you know, you know, I don't know, maybe six months ago, nine months ago, and I was amazed at how, you know, I mean, I'm always amazed at how easy stuff is. Like when they stopped using jumpers for, you know, hard hard disk drives and you know motherboards, I was like. Well, fucking finally, you know, jumpers. I always hated okay. jumpers. I have a small jar full of jumpers, you know. And <laughs> now, you know, you don't ever need to, you know, yeah. use screws for the, you know, uh, to say the power supply unit, you know. You can just, you know, sure. I bought some case for my friend. Just you clip, you know, everything is just, you can just, you know, clip it. And that's it. Clack, clack, clack. It's just. I guess you you mean the physical aspect, the actual hardware implementation. Yeah, and, and also yeah. there, there's a lot less hardware than before. You know, there's no sound card anymore. Well, you have a sound card, but yeah. there's no real sound cards anymore. Everything is just, just like the motherboard, the yeah. RAM, the disk, and just, you know, uh, graphic cards, and that's about it. Yeah, and I think with Walter a, might be referring to the fact, sort of like, even in the future, nothing works, you know? Yeah, exactly. Precisely. <laughs> I mean, I, what I was going to say was, I, I install. I completely gutted my PC and installed all the hardware stuff under 30 minutes, like real quick. I mean, I'm pretty good yeah. at that. But turning the fe- fucking piece of shit on, <laughs> oh boy, that was the fun part. I mean, my God, I, I set aside. I set aside an hour once I got my parts to. You know, it was late at night. My kid was already asleep. I'm like, fine. I get to. I get to finally dive into this awesome project. I was looking forward to it. Installed the hardware. Turn the beast on. I'm like, hell yeah. Boot up. No, it won't boot up. Oh, there must be some kind of hard drive problem. Oh, well, okay. So I look through all the things that could possibly be. Obviously, this the problem is I'm trying to uh, boot up my old hard drive 
with a new motherboard, and so Windows is rejecting it. Yeah, well, see, that's, I go mean, ahead. That was always the case. I mean, you that's never try... been the case. That has oh, never, uh, ever, ever been the case. I've tried ever. that once. Like maybe with you know uh, Windows, uh, you know, eighty five or maybe uh, you know, uh, sorry, ninety five or maybe you know, ninety eight, and. Uh, and it, it did work like shit. Like, I mean, sure, it booted up, but it was, you know, horrible. It had errors everywhere. I mean, I've that's, never, that's... ever had a problem. I've, I've, I've built like probably six or seven PCs and I've never had, I've never had as critical an issue. Well, you know, I, I tried, I mean, I just tried it once just to see what it would do. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty terrible. I mean, it worked, but it was terrible. I I mean, I think it's, it's uh, you know, I've, it's very recommended to always do a clean start when you change your motherboard processor and such. So I don't know, I've... man. I was trying to limit the time involved in doing this. I just wanted to do it and then go back to bed. And that was like, no, no, no. You're not going to be able to go back to bed for quite a while. So I had to reformat my drive, and I was not totally prepared to do that. But I did it. Uh, and and then I had to reinstall, you know, every single fucking thing I need, you know, to get, to get up to the next morning and be able to do work and to be able to record the following weekend. You know, it just – it took me all week to get back to where I am now. And actually – we were started recording late today because I was making sure my sound card worked, which it wasn't working last night, and then reinstalling Skype and getting all the sound cording. Anyway, anyway it's just, you know, it's a big headache to do this, but I, I expected this project to be fun, and ultimately it was just a huge headache. But my system runs like a fucking beast now, of course, because I have completely modern parts now. So it's it's awesome on that end. And you know, the very first game I started I started playing once I got all my awesome system parts, you know, is uh, Diablo uh, three. Barkley, shut up and jam, Gaiden. <laughs> That's a much better choice, actually. <laughs> Which is a fucking, like, a RPG Maker game. So, yeah, I'm really testing the true limits of my system with the Barkley, shut up and jam, Gaiden. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. The I'm chaos glad. dunk. Right, the chaos dunk. Yep. It's pretty funny. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's funny because you guys, you know, I don't have experience building PCs. I try to stay away from that. Like, the only person in my family who's, like, ever built a computer was, like, my dad in the 80s. Like, he used to actually be a whiz with all this stuff, and now he doesn't know anything, which puts us on an even even playing field. But even, like, when I order, like, a prefabbed PC and have it sent to me, I I just expect, out of the box, for the hard drive to be dead. Because, I mean, that, is, that has been my past experience. Like, just that things don't work. It never works the first time. And so yeah. I'm just very pessimistic on this front. That's a good assumption, actually. And yesterday I had a great horror moment where I was messing around with BIOS. And um, I'd read that stock the stock Intel fan or CPU is good enough that you can begin, you know, a little bit of overclocking without any, you know, problems. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'll just test it out. So I did the clock multiplier by, like, 1.5 or something like that. Which is, you know, would be fifty percent or twenty five percent faster than my current PC, and it said it'll automatically configure the voltage settings. I'm like, hey, yeah, well, sure, whatever. And then the thing wouldn't boot, like straight up, couldn't get the machine on. More than <laughs> At least seconds. sparks didn't fly out, you know. <laughs> and that's that's just short of that basically happened, you know. I'm like, fuck, so you, you can't you can't you know troubleshoot a machine that doesn't boot. So I had to do, you know, any I can't imagine what a layman would have done at that point. I guess take it to fucking Best Buy. But what I did was I got in there with a screwdriver and I took out the uh, the, the battery that's built into the motherboard, which resets the settings on your BIOS. And I only knew that because I'm a fucking nerd, but, I mean, <laughs> how else are you supposed to know that, you know? Like, ugh, computers, fucking A. Ugh. Well, no, it works. That's, uh, you know. 
how it works. Yeah. That's what does that matter? It is all that matters. Other than that, um, <laughs> I've actually well, had much time to play my, my games, actually, even though I have a great system, I've not had a lot of time to play. But um, my wife and I have been watching uh, Star Trek Next Generation in the background, like, we're through season three now, which is pretty impressive. It's a pretty good series. Um, uh, we actually, before we started watching it, we put on Trekkies, the documentary. I'm not <laughs> sure if you guys have seen that or not, but... No. Know, chronicled the lives of incredible nerds, like <laughs> a dentist or an orthodontist who he and his partner... You know, have their entire orthodontics place in Star Trek place, and then every wealthy employee have to wear uniforms, and they're talking to each other. They use the communication badges and shit, like really hyper hyper nerds. And I, it made me wow. realize: are they are they TOS or TNG? TNG. So, uh, like, so, <laughs> so they're not real fans. I'm a, I'm a TOS guy. I was watching the original series last night, actually, while dog sitting. So. <laughs> TNG. Even though it takes itself way too seriously. But the show is so much better than its fan base. The fan base actually does a disservice to the quality of the show, in my opinion. Like, they overinflate, you know, how great the show really is. But on its own terms, I think it's a really incredible show. But Yeah, the next generation is a great team. I mean, it gets better, too. Are you watching, like, season one or season two? Hang on, you're, you're breaking up, unfortunately. Can you hear me now? I can hear you fine. You sound perfectly clear, so I'm breaking up bad. I'm yeah. just gonna. I'm just gonna go on ahead, assuming there's no problem. We're, we're we you know we started from the beginning, and I went all through season one, all through season two, and I actually got her hooked. I actually got her interested in watching it by watching uh, Best of Both Worlds. We jumped ahead to that. That's how we started, and I said, like, "This is how cool the series can actually get." And she's like, "Okay, I guess I'll start watching the series." And, you know, we had to watch through all the beardless Riker phase of the yeah, series. Yeah, you gotta let the series grow a beard. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, it, there really is a quite a bit of a jump in quality between seasons one and two. But uh, yeah, I'm amazed by how little I'd actually seen of the series because I can't remember any of these early episodes. I must have watched through my childhood. I must have watched, you know, I watched whatever was on TV, basically. I didn't care what season it was. And I guess most of them were later season episodes, but it's really good. I'm really liking. That's it for me. Well, I was just going to say that the... The original series episode I watched last night, I think it was season three. It was not very good. <laughs> I've kind of been things about the original series. I've never actually seen a full episode of it. Really? What? <laughs> like, I don't want to overreact, but that's kind of mind-boggling. When it's, well, I mean, it's not like a, it's something you have to seek out, whereas TNG kind of syndication it's on like every fucking you know tbs you know well, let's see i know i know for a fact uh do you have me tv i don't know what that is oh uh, yeah it's like a cable channel it's got like a bunch of old tv shows but like it's on there like saturdays at nine o'clock so if you're the kind of person that isn't out doing anything saturdays at nine o'clock you would probably want to watch star trek the original series is it uh, you were breaking up as well. Uh, so yeah, I, I heard you breaking up, and I guess I'm breaking up too. Uh, we yeah, can well enough. You know, let's have to deal with it. You got watch a little original series. Look up like the famous episodes, like City on the Edge of Forever and uh, Church what else? Triples. Hmm? <laughs> uh, yeah, that one's more comic relief. But I mean, you know, it was a it was a pretty it was a really like the first two seasons. 
it's actually a really good like show and very groundbreaking too. Just like, you know, the way it mixed, you know, people of different nationalities together and this yeah. idea, you know, of a utopian future where, yeah, you know, people aren't fighting anymore and like everyone's come together. Right. Has the first interracial kiss. Whoa. The, yeah. The Uhura and Spock? And Kirk, no, Uhura and Kirk, actually. Okay. I just assumed based on the new movies, it must be. <laughs> yeah. 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 But all that being said, I'm act- I actually couldn't care any less about the new Star Trek movie. <laughs> like, it's not been in my mind or my headspace at all. Into darkness. <laughs> Enjoy the other movie, but... I mean, I'm not really like excited about. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anybody else playing anything? Mm, no, not really. I haven't had much time. I've just been playing crap on my new phone, basically, like trying to test the limits of what games I can play on it. Like, what what are the best actual like games for it? What you know you can emulate on it that'll work. Which what? I'm thinking of replaying, like Final Fantasy VI. Let me stop you right there. Nothing is the answer. Never told you ever told us what kind of phone you got after the hour and a half long cell phone conversation. Tell us what did you buy? I got the Samsung Galaxy Note Two, which is basically like a big version of the Galaxy S three. Isn't the like as big as like Shaq's hand, basically? <laughs> like, yeah, Shaq could use it one handed. He's the only one. It's, it's, I've, what I've done is I bought a, I bought a wallet case for it. So now it is my phone and my wallet in one. So so I made it even bigger, essentially. I doubled down. Wow. And yeah, that, that frees up the space in my pocket. You should buy, you know, one of these uh, huge battery replacements, like that doubles, you know, the battery life. So it will be even bigger. (laughs) No, I mean, well, that's the thing. The battery is already like pretty incredible. It's one of the selling points or one of the reasons I went for this. Uh, I know. (laughs) <laughs> I know you know as as I have to thank as again for his recommendations. But uh yeah, like I said I've been testing sort of the limits of what it can do. It's pretty neat cuz it's got multitasking. It's got with the stylus pen, it's got a lot of like you know, sort of computer like features. It's supposed to be like a, you know, they call it a phablet cuz it's between a phone and a tablet. I prefer the term tablone myself, but uh, that's <laughs> that's just one I made up myself. And uh yeah, I don't. I'm just discovering the limits of sort of like cell phone games and things, and also like trying to emulate things. Like you can't even play like Mario on it. It's it's just ridiculous because you know you have to be able to hold a button while pushing another button, and doing that on a touch screen oh, with yeah. your thumb is not gonna work. But it's interesting the games that do work, like Sonic the Hedgehog. You can play that almost as if you know. There's no change. Like, there's, like, almost That's no... That's because the original controls were pretty shitty to begin with. <laughs> well, is that... I was going to say, I was going to say, is this a credit to, like, the simplicity and fun of the game? Or just, like, that it wasn't that <laughs> good in the first place? Yeah. And, uh... So, yeah, and I'm going to... I'm basically... I'm going to... Final Fantasy VI, to me, is, like, the line in the sand. Because you have to be able... At one point, you have to do a move with... I think it's Sabin or Sabin? Yeah. You have to do a move with him. And you can't, and it's something like it would be really hard to do even on a keyboard. No. And let alone on a touchscreen. So I'm going to see if it's, that'll it's not, be like, if it's the playable. One, the one you're talking about is Pummel and it's forward, back, forward, A. So you could do that without multiple touches. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll see if it works though, if it like lets it input because it's, you know, it's one of these things where you try to do something kind of quick on one of these phones and it like, it just doesn't get the message. 
And I mean, it, also, it depends on your, your emulator. The difficulty you'd have with that as far – I mean, this is such a nerdy thing, but – if you're trying to use like his ultimate bliss, the bum rush, there's no way you'd be able to pull that off with your controller. Well, I'm not, I mean, to me, it's just a matter of can I get past that scene where you have to use yeah. pump, then I'm never going to use him again because he won't, he won't be, he won't be an option. Whereas, you know, like I can't even do in Mortal Kombat, I can't use, I can't shoot Sub Zero's ice ball or anything like that, right? On on the phone effectively, so it's just one of those things where it's like we'll see. Right. But RPGs seem to be the only way to go. I'm going to try to do Chrono Trigger on here, Final Fantasy VI, Mario RPG, basically Super Nintendo RPGs. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it sounds... I think you are probably in a state of, like, a honeymooning period with your new device where you're going to want to try to do everything with it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing where that levels off, like, where you actually, where you actually do with your phone. Because when I first got my iPhone... You know, I, I probably downloaded two or three different games a day because I was trying to find, like, what kind of game do I like on this kind of device, you know? Ultimately, you get to the answer is none. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I will occasionally play, like, one to two games consistently, but most of the time, I just don't use it as a gaming device anymore. I mean, it, it, it comes down to the depth of the experience of the play. Because, sure, I could kill... A couple of minutes while I'm on the crapper, but I, I would rather just read something, I guess. Yeah. Uh, my well, game time is devoted to larger experiences, basically. Yeah. yeah. As and I were talking about it, uh, I, you know, with our hour and a half discussion, it would be yes. interesting because the game that I thought of that could work on here was Infinite Space. And that's obviously like, you know, you don't think of that as a small experience, but they don't, they just don't have games like that being produced, I feel like, on that level for phones. Well, Square has ported uh, quite a few, you know, good games uh, on that platform, actually. Oh, yeah, uh, I can get Final uh, Fantasy III for, you know, like 15 bucks. Yeah, <laughs> but is... there's, also, there's also a game called Ghost Trick, uh, which uh, was originally on the Nintendo DS, which is uh, by the guy who did, uh, you know, the Phoenix Wright series. I don't know if you know about this. Yeah. Anyway, it's a really great game. I really like it. It's one of uh, the best games on the Nintendo DS, I think. Uh, it's, it's a pretty short game, but I think it's pretty cool. And it was released by Square Enix uh, a while back. So, but I think awesome. what said, what you said last time still holds is that it's not realistic to expect that kind of quality game to be pioneered on. Uh, of course not. Yeah, of course not. Because yeah. what you're talking about is games that were. Developed for a system and then ported out to the phone, which that yeah. is a business model that makes sense. I can understand that, but for a new game to be developed for, of that depth and scope, it just seems unrealistic to expect that yeah, from a phone. Of course you know? not. And, and yeah, so because, not you know the so audience cool, doesn't like, expect it. Yeah. Right. That being said, I would love Infinite Space to come out on any, any device. Yeah. Infinite, Infinite Space Two. Infinite Space 2 only for cell phones. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> we're we're going to make less money this time. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, Have you guys you know. tried uh, Dead Space or, Infilt- or Mass Effect Infiltrator? I- I'm bummed that I didn't buy them over the – because I got the phone and I saw that they were really cheap, but I didn't buy them right away. And now I see that that was just like a holiday sale. I played one of those Mass Effect games. I don't remember the name of it. It was the first one that came out. It's not the yeah. – Oh, Galaxy? Yeah, I played that. It was okay. Yeah, I, I played the original. It was the very first game. It was uh, it was pretty shitty. And uh, I played um, the Dead Space one. I, I think uh, it was a while back on a, a friend's phone. It was, I think, uh, it was on the iPhone originally. Yep. Maybe iPhone iPhone four. Anyway, it was uh, it, it wasn't too bad. But you know, it remains a phone game. 
I'm like yeah. Warto. I, I I don't replay games on my phone anymore. I mean, sometimes I I'll, I'll get one just out of curiosity, but mostly yeah. I just I just don't play games on it. The one, the one that to... gives me like lets me see like some potential is like I mean, I mentioned it last time was Dead Trigger. You guys should give that one a try just because it's free and it's like you know it's not anything engrossing, but it's like. You know, it's fun to kill a few minutes, you know, if you're, like, you know, stuck somewhere and you want to play something that looks like a a PC game. Hey, go ahead, Walter. Well, I was just – can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, I was going to suggest, Griff, if you could look up Pinball Arcade, like the, even though it sounds generic, it's actually really, really well-created pinball machines. They're officially licensed machines, too. They have, you know, Bride of Pinbot, for example – uh, all 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 the kinds of like old Williams style uh, pinball games, and the, the 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 ball physics is really impressive. I've been playing a lot of that on the iPad Mini, and it's really impressive. Um, huh. If they have that for your device, you should give it a shot. It's free, uh, and you you can pay for boards or you can try them until you get a high score, and then you have to pay for more. But oh, I've been well, playing a lot. Of, I'll look it up. I've been playing a lot of Bride of Pinbot, and Pinbot's my <laughs> favorite pinball game. Uh, Bride of Pinbot's not bad, but um, it makes me think what kind of child that Pinbot and Bride of Pinbot would create. And I was I was reading in the <laughs> the biography of the pinball uh, of the of Bride of Pinbot. And it calls it Bride of Pinbot is the second in the trilogy that began with Pinbot. There's a third. Is there oh. a son of Pin? Is there a son of Pinbot game that I didn't know about? Like Spawn of Pinbot? <laughs> I don't know. We gotta check that out. I need, to, I need to Google that afterwards, but yeah. I really, really, I feel like pinball is like a, like a kind of genre of gaming that I got into way too late because I'm really, really enjoying it, and I just can't imagine. It, it sucks. This kind of these kind of games don't exist anymore because they're they're pretty magical. I have a lot of fun with them. I've never, uh, I've never like been into pinball, and yeah. I, yeah, so I don't know if I would, you know, get into it, and you know, like sometimes things are an acquired taste, and when you get older, you. You get into something, so that doesn't happen for me. But I'll like see games like on the 3DS. They have that Marvel Legacy pinball game that came out recently. Oh, did, did I see for 3DS? No, I didn't. I didn't know about it. Yeah, you, know, Griff, you mean you never played Sonic's Pinball? Man. Oh my God! Yeah, you're not, you know what? You're I, not I a actually, real fan. I accidentally ported that to my phone and then deleted it without because I turned it on by. <laughs> what the hell is this doing? I hated that game. Wow. <laughs> Sonic Spinball. Did you ever play the Mean Bean Machine? Uh, <laughs> I think I tried to play it once, and it was just like, good. eh. That's pretty good. I, I want to run fast. That's why I play Sonic. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I want to run fast and press one button to do everything. <laughs> yeah. What else? What else? Um. Oh, have you guys heard of Gasketball? Is that a new movie by the creators of South Park? No, no, it's uh, it's supposed to be like a, I think it's like an iPad game or something. Nah, I haven't heard of it. I heard it. it's like a pretty neat, like, uh, little physics puzzler game. Hmm. <clears throat> nope, I haven't heard of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zeal, you mentioned the onslaught of PC boxes, consoles, tablets, and such coming out of CES now. Uh, with, you know, yeah. the big news, I mean, for, as far as I'm concerned out of CES, I haven't even been paying attention to it as the... Announcement that Valve was partnering with a company to bring a mini PC or micro PC out that will be. So, 
that's kind of cool. But uh, as they said, it was the first of many models that will be Steam compatible to come out in the next yeah. couple yeah. next year. So I guess the bigger announcement will come later on this year, maybe at E3 even. But this is still a pretty neat concept. It's a small PC. You can hold it in your hand. Huh. It's like a cube. Yeah, and it's called it's, Piston, I believe. Right, they're called the Piston. Um, but it, it, it functions like a PC in that it has an integrated video card. It has you know USB and an HDMI output. So it's not just a console. It's a straight-up PC that's been designed in a custom shape, basically, to look like a little cube. Uh, and it, it, can, you know, it, it probably is the same size as like a boxy box or something like that. You could put it next to your TV and just play Steam. Only play Steam, I'm imagining, is the idea. So that's something everyone had probably been anticipating for a while, but it's still cool to kind of see it come to mm. fruition. They haven't announced pricing for it. I think the XI3 type of console or, or machines are being sold for around 500 but it's un- unsure if Steam will subsidize that cost and it'll be more affordable or not just to get their name out there. No one really knows what the Well, Steam's already, you know, the thing with the, the reason why people call the piston a Steam box and such is because uh, Valve uh, backed, you know, uh, financially the company uh, that's making it, you know. They they gave, they gave them money and you know gave them pointers and such and it's been it's not just a PC or anything like that it's been you know some kind of customized for Steam so I I think uh, yeah I think it's possible that you know Valve might you know but at the same time you know I I read what uh, you know Gabe Newell said on the topic and he he didn't seem to I mean he seemed to be pretty carefree about it like they let you know everybody do whatever they want so. I'm not sure they're going to pay for, you know, you know, units sold so that, you know, they can get out there. But, you know, who knows? Well, I, just like everything they've done, anytime they enter a new type of <clears throat> or market, they kind of do it very carefully and slowly. They'll, they'll they'll piggyback somebody else's great idea before they start pioneering their own, you know. So imagine they're just t- dipping their toe in the water of what's possible here with, the, with this device. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you also mentioned the fact that NVIDIA has their own device and Razer has their own. Yeah, everybody's coming out with their own device, it seems. Yeah, everyone's trying to basically play PC games on, t- you know, modern TVs or HD HD TVs, and and the, the trying to integrate the availability of PC games with the convenience of being on your couch. You know, trying to break that whole sit in your computer chair with your mouse and keyboard mentality. Yeah. But, I don't know who these devices are for. Uh, yeah, because it's like they're not for console people and they're not for computer people. Exactly. Like the people that I know that play PC games regularly, they're not really that interested in playing in front of their computer or their TV. They're interested in playing. Or they'd or they'd have a console <laughs> to do that. I think they're well, trying to get a middle ground here that doesn't really exist right now. Yeah, I feel so, like the middle ground would be like future systems like mainstream systems that would be like steam compatible in that way except they wouldn't want to do that because they'd want to have their own proprietary things and games and they don't want steam doing a sale for a game that they're also selling for their system you know and it's like well i can buy it for 60 dollars for my you know xbox you know (laughs) like whatever the 720 or i can you know or i can get it for 20 dollars off steam and download it yeah. Why so much? Yeah, no, five dollars this weekend only until it's two dollars in three weekends. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like I said before, I'm just not sure. It's a long range for those kind of devices to exist. They seem like curiosities right now more than anything, and I wonder if they'll last more than a season. But I could be wrong. Could take off. I guess we'll move on. Um, anybody else have anything about CES? 
Nope. Thank God. Uh, member questions. Member questions. Yeah, I didn't say user questions this time. Oh, progress. You said it, but then you made it like, I'm saying it wrong. No, wait, I said it right. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what happened. Uh, speaking of Steam, Berserk MJM asks, have you ever bought a game that you ended up not playing? <laughs> uh, yes. I have. I recently passed the 500 mark threshold for Steam, and I have opened up Steam, and I've sorted my games by the last played uh, column. So I now have, I'm looking at all the games I own, sorted by the last time I played them. If there's How many not, nevers? Yeah, as, as, as far as I'm scrolling down, the first half of it has numbers for last played. As a date, uh, the, <laughs> the last half of my my collection, meaning around 250 games, I have never played a single time. So that's an, a, a half, and that doesn't take into account the games that I played for 30 seconds, because that that would be in the I played list. So we're talking around 250 games that I have not even launched ever that I own. So yeah, so I've I've played I've have I have one or two games that I've bought and not played. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, well, I'm probably in the. I'm in the same boat to a much smaller degree. I mean, I'm sure I have plenty of games where it's, you you just get it and forget it. You know, it's something you get it because it's cheap, or you get it because you think you might be interested in it, but you're just never. It, the the moment never comes. There's always something bigger and better to do, whether it be a game or just something else, and so it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. Yeah. Before Azula answers, I just wanted to finish off the other part of the question is how many games in your collection do you leave unfinished? I leave a lot. I mean, I don't feel compelled to finish a game. and let, I don't feel compelled to finish it just to finish it. You know, and you actually drive me nuts with this. Like, you've told me several like several instances of games where you're like 95% done with it where it's like, oh, yeah, I just have to beat the final boss. And, but, you know, I, I, I lost interest. You know, I wasn't interested in doing it. And it's like, what? How can you do that? I blame that yeah. on the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had – like, that's happened to me before, never that – you know, never that close. But there will be a thing where it's like, you know, I'll get like 75% way through a game and then I'll lose, you know, interest. But the, the, the my favorite games are are games that have an incredible final act, you know? I'm sure yeah. all, my fi- all my favorite games are games that soar through the conclusion in like a spectacular way. And then the, the game – would, You would stay up all night to beat it, you know, right? The, the kind of game where you're playing it and – down you have to fucking freaking finish the game but there are so many games i play that just everything falls apart in the final act and i'm just like fuck it i'm not interested in playing in this anymore and and I'll, I'll i'll you know exit the game and maybe i'll come back to it and finish it later and i never do and then there you go that's in the list you know that's the game's fault well um, i don't know yeah anyway so like i said uh yeah i have some games i've bought and haven't played i try not to do that too much but you know sometimes there are you know, they sell them as bundles and such, or, you know, some of them are so cheap. You know, I just get them almost for, like, for correction. Like, I'm saying, oh, I'm sure I play, I play, you know, some time. And just, I guess the time hasn't come, you know, much like for the wire and, you know, everything else. If I got bond, <laughs> you know, and, you know, Star Trek or so, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. And as for finishing games, usually when I start a game, I, I really try to finish it. So, and if I don't finish it, it, it means I haven't gone very fast through it. If I am like near the end, even if I hate the game, I'll just finish it just to have finished it, you know. So because I don't like to leave things unfinished. Have you finished Minecraft yet? Uh, yeah, no, I guess not. Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't play it that much, so it still fits, you know, my example. Okay. 
Minecraft available for Android, apparently. I haven't uh, tried the demo yet. Yeah, go have fun make with that game. Have a lot of fun with it. <laughs> Not for everybody. Unless you're 12 years old, in which it's your best game ever. I feel some venom towards the Minecraft. I thought you uh, you were a supporter of the Minecraft. I like... Mm, difficult topic. I feel, feel should so we com- should we should we leave this for like another game topic? Like, well, I mean, very very briefly, I like aspects of the game. I don't understand or like the way most people play the game, which is like, I'm gonna build a giant tower shaped like Mega Man with my friends. Like that 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 has no yeah. Appeal. We're like it's basically like Legos. Yeah, like I don't I don't get that aspect of the game that seemed appealing to me. I like the idea of being in a hostile world where you have to gather things and build your house like a fort. That's like, you know, that's like being a kid all over again. That's awesome. But that's not most of the game. That aspect of the game gets boring within, like, a couple hours, you know? And I have then, some serious questions about your childhood, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I grew up uh, in the woods, and I would spend, you know, all my afternoons outside and making forts and stuff. And I had lots okay. of fun. Looking out for creepers? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Watch out for those exploding <laughs> green guys, yeah. <laughs> Uh, moving on, Telegram Sam is, uh, apparently someone that used to be on BSOM. I'm not going to doubt that he was. The name doesn't ring a bell to me personally. I'm not, I'm not saying he wasn't. I just don't remember. Do you remember him? He might've been under a different name or, I mean, there were so many, I mean, there, I, I could, I would believe that there was a guy called Telegram Sam on BSOM. Why not? I'd have to go back and look though. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not doubting. I'm just saying, I don't remember the, the name doesn't jump off. My head. Anyway, uh, um, he's asking some questions that we've kind of already addressed, but I'll just do them real quickly. Uh, your first experience with the series and how you found it online. Uh, I mean, I watched the anime first, fan subs, uh, in 1999. Uh, and then I, I Googled more information about the series and found BSOM and started there. Uh, I was very early on. I think I'd, I think I had, um, just watched maybe the first 10 episodes or so. And then I started buying the manga beyond that. I think I was, first volume I ever bought was volume four, I think, or 13. I can't remember. <laughs> but yeah, and I found BSOM and then that, that BSOM started to be a little defunct, stopped being updated regularly. There were problems with the forums that weren't being fixed. And so I was like, I'll just make my own site and re- update it that way. And then here we are. Well, let's see. I've told uh, told my story, I think, a couple of times before. But yeah, I saw it like I saw some V. I saw it for the first time on Chinese subbed VCDs. I saw the anime. It's my first exposure, and I watched the whole series that way, <laughs> the whole uh, anime series that way, which made the ending, you know, even extra mind blowing. Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> I really didn't know what the hell was going on, and I've just sort of been uh, caught up in it ever since. And I think I went to. Uh, Oh, what was that? Sasuga Japanese Bookstore? Sasuga, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I went there and I ordered volumes. I think all at once I got volumes 1 through 20. Oh. And that was like my, my Berserk starter pack. I peeled I my collection over years. Uh, really, it took me a while to get all of them. I think it took me two or three years before I had them all. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I just I just went and immediately like bought in, you know. <laughs> I just like... <laughs> Like I was nouveau riche with Berserk, I just bought in all at once, and uh, yeah, just jumped in, and that was around, not yeah, same as you, like ninety nine or two thousand. Yeah. 
was for me, yeah, I, I've, you know, told that story before, but, uh, yeah, I got my hand on uh, some part of the anime, you know, the early episodes, I think from one to eight or something like that. And, uh, yeah, I watched them and, uh, yeah, I was taken by it, but, you know, for some reason, at the time I was playing EverQuest, so, yeah, that took most of my time and interest. And, Nerd. Uh, yeah, yeah, most of everything. So, yeah. So, uh, I didn't really, you know, like, you know, run after it or anything like that. And, uh, you know, progressively, maybe six months later, I, I watched the, you know, remaining part of the series. And at the time, I was uh, on HughesNet, you know, uh, following some, you know, various news group at work because uh, I already worked at the time and it was in some, an old school company. So, we didn't have access to the internet, you know. Uh, only the managers had it. You know, at least at the time, it's, that was before I managed to, you know, find a way, you know, through the the network, which I, I eventually did, actually, but that's another story. So, yeah, so I had access to Usenet, and I spent most of my time on Usenet instead of, you know, doing any work. And, uh, you know, I happened to find, uh, you know, a post by Olivier Agui at the time who was recommended people to go to skylight.net as a reference for berserk you know so actually what a bad idea yeah 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 he was saying that to french people too so yeah so uh so at the time like i was you know curious uh, as to how to procure myself the berserk manga and such so i sent an email to walter about it and uh, I think asking about translations or something like that uh, like if he had you know more translations than the one on the side or something and to which he answered me that, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, the French version is going to come out soon or anything like that. So uh, following that uh, very helpful advice, I just bought uh, the whole series from uh, Acclimate Solutions uh, <laughs> along with, alongside with their Marvel's translations. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and uh, so – and I was still playing EverQuest at the time, but, uh, yeah, I registered on Skynet, I don't know, maybe a year later, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. The uh, next question, what are some of the best sites that deserve to be remembered? Uh, none of them, really. <laughs> B- BSOM kind of stood alone at the time. I mean, you could, yeah, I'm sure there, were, uh, there was a Usenet presence, but I, I never really looked into it. I'm sure if you can Google that stuff, that stuff's still archived if you want to look for it. I, I just never delved into it. The one I remember was called, like, besides BS, I mean, BSOM was the one. There wasn't really anything that sort of was, you know. That didn't have a rival was uh but the one I remember like another one I found and I was just like googling berserk in my infancy of enjoying the series was it was called like it was it was as basic as could be it was like the berserk homepage and it had like these animated gifs on the front with like this green skull and crossbones do you guys remember oh seeing this site no the- any memories flashing yeah because I just remember mm-hmm. seeing that website and I mean I think I, it had like a couple I do of scans on it or for years and years. There was only one site that had any kind of images of Berserk. You know, BSOM had yeah. a couple scans, but there was one that had like all the art book stuff just thrown up there in low resolution JPEGs. And then, you know, it had stuff that, you know, wasn't anywhere else. And I remember looking through that at the time. It was just basically an image host. It didn't have any other content on the site, but that was some yeah. of the first images of the manga that I'd seen was from that site, I think. Um, who contributed over the years that deserves to be remembered? I mean, yeah, Olivier helped a lot uh, in the earlier years with helping us understand uh, mostly translation aspects, but his very inconsistent presence online for a while. I mean, you, you couldn't always count on him to deliver translations and stuff. Often he'd give a very kind of like just a smiley face kind of reply if you ask him a straight question, you know. 
you're kind of a shy guy. I don't know. I don't know how to word it all, but yeah, I mean, he, yeah, I, he certainly was a big. Inf- he seemed kind of. I mean, he, he. There was like a. I don't know. It, it. He had like a. I'm trying to think of the word. Like he was a little. He felt a little aloof, and it kind of helped with the whole like him just coming in. Like he was almost like the Skull Knight of Berserk translations and things. He'd come in and just give help randomly, and then he, you know, he'd disappear. He would come in and, and drop knowledge and then be not be seen for months. And then... Yeah, exactly, where it was like, oh, wow, you know. It almost felt like, yeah, it felt like that, like where it was like a deuce ex machina when he'd show up. It wasn't, like, steady going. I think I've related this before, but you know, an example of how he helped the community at the time was on BSOM. This, oh, is yeah. when, this is right when Volume 18 had landed. 19 was coming out in serialization, but it had not been published yet. Uh, and, you know, at the end of 18, Skull Knight, of course, talks about, you know, how, you know, the Falcon will return, you know, the, that time will, will, will happen again, the eclipse, you know, but we, there was no translations for that, like straight up. And no one on BSOM could speak Japanese. And so all we had was the images, you know, it wasn't totally clear that that was the case. And so everyone had different theories about what was about to happen in Albion. And then Olivier just said, no, it's pretty clear that, you know, Finpo's going to be incarnated. Like what? What the fuck are you talking? What is this bullshit? And then also, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were like, "What are you?" Yeah, I remember there was a lot of skepticism because it was like he basically like told everyone what I guess was plainly obvious if you understood, you know, if you could read it at the time was that, oh yeah, Griffith is coming back, but it just but sounded it's, ridiculous. It's so outlandish at the time, yeah. and plus, you know, it's no it's no fault of his that he said it so matter of factly, but it came across like he was just making some bullshit up, you know? Yeah. So. At the time, no one really believed him or respected him, and then when it ultimately became obvious that was what was happening, his role completely changed around into being like someone that was like an authority on a subject when all he could do is read it, you know. So, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Olivier certainly. And there was there were other people as well, but bizarre community, you know, you're you're hearing the voices of some of the only people that stuck around this long. It's a couple people come and have some, you know, involvement with the community, but so many people were vagabonds. They come and go, they come and they go. They'll talk, they'll make a couple posts and disappear for three or four years, but most, most of the people just don't stick around, so it's hard for me to remember all the different names of people. Even people that stuck around, like, for, like, eight years or something that are gone now, you know, I kind of, you know, you just remember, like, CNC hasn't been back for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even other, even more, characters even more elusive than Olivier, like, you know, We Real Mad, as I like to call him. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at his account, he's been on pretty recently, I think. Yeah, oh, well, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, but they, I, See, now, if he sent us a member question, that would be, uh, that would be a name we'd remember. But, but it, it, this question, you know, people who contributed over the years... It's a small list, you know. There's people that have been parts of the community for a long time, but contributed. That's it's a key word there, you know. Yeah. We had some pretty steady like translators for a while who came and but who have gone, and now it's pretty much just Poila. Yeah. yeah. Who are the worst translators and scanlators? Anybody who scanlates is the worst. I don't really have a higher <laughs> concern. I guess the yes. Band, Band of the Hawk did the most damage as far as you know. In the entire series encapsulated in one zip file, which is the example I always bring up is the worst possible thing you can fucking do is take someone's complete life work and reduce it into a single, you know, fucking file for download. It's, it's absurd. I can't which imagine. Which leads to, like, you know, new posts, which it's like, you know, people see it and get excited, but it's like, oh, man, I just read this, like, over the last hour, and I love it. You know, it's like, okay, 
that's one way to experience it. And now I'm, I don't, you know, you're never going to read it again. <laughs> it's like you just read it overnight. Yeah. And, and didn't and didn't get any of the nuance or like you know it's like you know you can't. I it's just a bad way to go about it, and it's a bad way. It's a bad practice for the creator. It's, it's worth, yeah, it's as bad. It, it's fair, fair. It's fair to say that when I started scrolling.net, it, it it had scanlations on it, but it was kind of like scanlations with a function. Like it was meant for people that had seen the anime, and the most asked question at the time by bar none was what, what happens. What happens directly after that? And so I had uh, terrible, terrible translations that I mostly messed up myself with help of the smutty belts. Uh, uh, volumes 13 through right at the beginning of 14, basically the end of the um, Golden Age, right before Black Swordsman starts. I had those on the site, and so yeah, I mean, I had some scanlations up, but again, I was not scanlating the entire fucking series for download at no cost, you know. So, ugh. Anyway, no, it was the, it was the same as like you know controlled like previews and things that people you know that you know the companies release themselves. I mean, you sort of had like a, a natural sense of propriety, I'd say, where you knew like you had a function to it, like you said, and yeah. that was that was you know those were appetite wetters. Like I remember reading those uh, those things where it was like, oh my god, it's the it's the secret info. It's like and the, plus you know the quality isn't great, so it's like you're looking at like photographed top secret documents or something. It just has that feel of you know excitement when you're finding out what happens next. And yeah, that's what got me got me on the forum and got me you know or yeah ordering from Sasuga Books. I think that was I'm pretty someone must have recommended that to me. It was when me. I asked how to get. Yeah, it was I, probably you was my go-to place to buy them for a while because they they seemed to have everything in stock and it was cheap ish you know it was in that was just an import company basically there's also a weird like just to the whole like anti-scan leader stance there's this weird sort of selfish like glory like grabbing thing with that where it's like hey we're scan leading this series where it's like you somehow become like the the one who, you're like the creator all of a sudden, right? Or you're like the publisher of the series, and there's like this weird like, you know, got, it doesn't work that way. You know, the best part is when people, uh, you know, insult the author for like, you know, uh, not oh, yeah. releasing every week or anything like that, and then thanks a guy who just you know you know scanned it and you know put it online, and then ask you to donate five bucks for it. You know, that's always you know stricken me as being you know just you know beyond words. Well, yeah. the the best was the guy at the Hawks who, when they were when they released the official translated names, insulted Miura for the oh, yeah. uh, uh, the jumbled transliterations, where it's like literally as if Miura had insulted his work, you know, yeah. uh, that was berserk, you know, by by giving these wrong translations when it was you know the complete reversal and just insane to think otherwise. I mean, it's like delusional. Where yeah, you know just, just, oh. the sad part is we've known for years, you know. I mean, guts, you know, was written guts, you know. It's just the guy just didn't want to hear anything about it, and he went so far. He, I mean, he was so ungenuine and hypocritical that he actually insulted the author for it. But at the same time, that was a good excuse for him to finally, you know, write the names correctly, you know, with, without having to admit he was wrong, you know. So yeah, pretty pretty shitty behavior that I think is uh, quite typical of this uh, kind of character. Yeah, I, I was just going to add on to that by saying people that credit themselves at the end of a scanlation are the worst. I got nothing to say to that. Um, who were the worst translators, scanlators? Acclimate Solutions. Come on, don't throw Acclimate under the bus. They were like you know the shining light in the darkness at the time. They were all we had. 
I uh, never got a climate, so I was never like. So I always yeah. just relied on like the the forum and you know Olivier and you know basically like you you used to always like to say you know <laughs> self explanatory was uh, was the word we'd kick around for like new episodes like we don't need a translation <laughs> this is self explanatory you know I I've got uh, you know a translation of all the volumes like you know I don't know maybe. I think I kept buying them until, you know, volume 25 or something like that. We, should explain, we should explain what that is to people that aren't familiar with the term. Acclimus yeah. Solutions was a translation company that provided very, very bare-bones service. Literally, they had a listing of copies of manga that they had translations for, and you would order them per volume. They would, they would send you printed text of translation, and they were real basic, like super, super literal badly done translations um, done by people that clearly weren't reading the series or trying to get a, a contextual true representation of translation. It was just, you could sort of understand what was being said on the, on the page, you know, but it was at the time it was, it was by far the largest breadth of work that was available for preserve translation. So you, you took what you could get. And when people I've asked, been asked this question before, what do you th- consider the definitive translation of Berserk? Like obviously what we have on the site but my understanding of the series is sort of, uh, even the, especially the early stuff. It's like an, a it's weird amalgamation between, you know, translations I've had with Dark Horse, discussions I've had online, Acclimate Solutions certainly plays a plays a role. It's all gets rolled up in this big ball as far as how I understand the series. And so yeah, they were they were a big part of earlier on, even though they translated Void as Boyd and uh, yeah, I think Barrett is the best. It's uh, yeah, big Void. <laughs> Yeah, Boyd, like, you know, like Jake Boyd, B-O-Y-D, or something like that. Ugh. Well, you oh, know, there's a case for it. There's a case for it. <laughs> you know, this actually reminds me uh, to mention uh, Rainmaker as a contributor. Remember his uh, his website, the Berserk Translations? Of course, that was actually, of course. Yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty good for a while. Like, I mean, I think, I think, unfortunately, like, some of the work was lost, some of his translations. But for a while there, he was like translating uh, large swaths of the the series and putting it up on there. His intent at the time was to fill in the blanks with what we didn't have. And then, I mean, he he, he was doing it for a Japanese class. And then I think he graduated and then he stopped doing it. A lot of that work was done with the help of Olivier, who would read over his scripts and then kind of fine-tune it for him. Yeah. Uh, And we still rely on his episode 83 translation, which is pretty much 100% Olivier. Um, but yeah, it was hosted on Icefall, which I thought was always kind of weird. Like, why don't you just host it on Skull Knight? But anyway, hosted on Icefall and Icefall is now defunct. Then getting at the stuff that's no longer there is, I mean, I've already tried to contact the guy to get it. Azil, you said you have backups of it, but. Yeah, of course I have, I have it all. I could, you know, <laughs> put it online pretty easily. Yeah. I have uh, backups of pretty much anything on the internet that concerns Berserk. Yeah, including you, you know backups in- of the entire internet, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, including uh, obscure Japanese websites. Yeah, but uh, who knows where it might come in handy? You know, it's like my little secrets. I just keep, you know, I like to trickle them down one by one, one one a year. Anyway. <laughs> Uh yeah so yeah 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 I, I I have these yeah because they are pretty good his early uh, his early stuff is pretty good I think so um... yeah it also you should definitely it it goes without saying that at the time these were very comprehensive translations they they were better than acclimate let's say you know uh, of course 
were like they were huge, hugely influential because they were so readable. Versus, let, let me go ahead and say that they're better than uh, what Dark Horse does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of times, and yeah, the Dark Horse is the worst of the earliest stuff. It's pretty bad. First couple of volumes. I guess that's the questions. Um, I don't have anything else planned for the show. Anybody else have anything else to add? Nope. Cool. All right. I guess we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Um, there will there will be no berserk the rest of the month as far as young animals concerned. I guess maybe we'll see some more in February, maybe. But we'll keep our eyes on that and let you guys know if anything happens on that front. The end. worked out pretty well considering i woke up today and was coming to the show like what the hell are we gonna talk about because i mean you know i'd read the notes but it was like nothing was concrete well i i should have changed the question mark question mark question mark to guts and cascadicles me and azil had sort of agreed on that on the 8th i think i just forgot to add it to the thing and honestly i kept intending to come back here and add more notes and it just went yeah. another and it got a chance to sit down and do it so. Yeah, I should have just commented that I had seen them so you would know that we're on the same page. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's not like I do research anyway. I just sort of, you know, go from memory. So, yeah, I'm always ready for whatever we're going to talk about. Oh, it's ready. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, my, I'm like uh, Musashi. You know, it, it seems like I have no stance and that I'm completely unready, but I, I'm prepared for anything is what that means. <laughs> <laughs> that's my new stance I call it no stance yes oh you made a nice uh, little vagabond reference there to me as you it's oh. very teasing yeah that one you sent me uh what was it I think it was in Google I forget what it was but I saw it on my phone in Google talk about living in the cave oh yeah 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 true yeah yeah it makes, just me, think, like it makes that, me think you 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 want to read it you know yeah, you know, I like to pretend I don't care, but, you know, deep down, <laughs> deep down I care. You know, actually, uh, yeah, Pura was talking to me earlier about uh, Slam Dunk, you know, earlier to, to there. She was telling me a reminder of the main character. So I told her, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure it's, uh, it's a nice manga, but, you know, I won't read any of this shit by this Inuit guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Maybe that wasn't my this, real answer. This but, yeah. guy who thinks he's, you know, Mura. <laughs> yeah, he thinks he's number one? Yeah, fuck, <laughs> fuck this guy. No way. <laughs> Not in my book. He didn't get my first prize. <laughs> yeah. I always do feel kind of bad that Mura didn't get it because, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like the Did no they? Way. Did it like, well, I thought it was like, okay, he got the grand prize, but didn't Mira get like, it wasn't like second place, but it was yeah. like a different named prize? Yeah, it was, uh, it's a prize that doesn't even exist anymore. Actually, it's called the Excellence Prize. So, yeah, it's not really, it's not like they were first and second. Of course, obviously, the grand prize is a grand prize, but yeah, Mira didn't just get second place. It's uh, another specific prize that I don't know exactly what it's supposed to you, be. Because know. it was something that you could make the case for that, you know, like, you know, or, you know, I don't, I can't pronounce it. I'm not even going to try. I guess we're not even on the show anymore. So my ignorance doesn't matter. But, uh, 
you know, he got the grand prize. You could argue because he does these mainstream, you know, works. Whereas Mura got like the, you know, he's doing the hardcore, more, yeah. you know, less mainstream, you know, award for just, you know, excellent, excellent writing that not everyone knows about. So yeah, and, <laughs> you can and rationalize it. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Vagabond is about Musashi. It's the, you know, adapt, it's like the greatest Japanese, you know, hero. And it's the adaptation of one of the, you know, highest selling, you know, Japanese novels. So uh, it's like, you know, as far as Japanese culture goes, you know, I mean, the case Four. for it is stronger than uh, um, a story that's based on, you know, mostly European folklore and such. So it's like yeah. how Lincoln is going to win all the Oscars this year, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, yeah obviously it's, it's like, yeah. It's the Oscar movie. Yeah. <laughs> Even though nobody this watched it Oscar and those, those who did found it boring. <laughs> I don't. I think. I think everyone from the generation it was intended to watch liked it a lot. My parents liked it a lot. My wife's parents liked it a lot. People that were alive in the time of Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone from from that generation liked it a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Especially the moving the moving pictures they thought were amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That train was coming right for me. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh god. No, I didn't. You know, I didn't see it. I was, I, I came close to seeing it, but instead I saw Skyfall again, which I kind of regret because I didn't even like. I didn't even enjoy Skyfall as much the second time. So I'm like, oh, I should have just gone to see Lincoln. I'm trying to think what would be Berserk though to, <laughs> to the Lincoln in the Lincoln comparison, Django Unchained or something. I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> oh wait, there's no equivalent. Don't even, you don't even talk about it. <laughs> I heard it's supposed to be very time. good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just talking to- I'm thinking of like an edgier work, though you know, <laughs> zero zero yeah. dark thirty. Except you know, you could argue that. Uh, I mean, that's a little too true to life. Yeah, I don't even honestly. I didn't go to the movies much this year. <laughs> oh yeah, you wouldn't have had the time. I mean, you're not going to the movies again anymore, right? I mean, now you're you're going to be an on demand kind of guy. Like I'll see it in a couple of years. Yeah, basically, I had to kill a man to watch Skyfall. And, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be able to see it when my child is old enough to go to the movies. <laughs> yeah, and I don't have any desire to see The Hobbit after everything I've read. So, yeah, so. me neither. It just seems like it's. It makes me a little sad, actually. I'm not like bitter or mad about it, or you know, I don't. I'm not. I can't even get worked up enough about these things anymore, except for the Berserk movies, of course. But because uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm contradicting myself immediately. But because, uh, you know, I just see it like that was a nice, simple little book. And even a lot of people I know who weren't even Lord of the Rings fans, that, like, but they all read The Hobbit. They just look at it and they go, wait a minute, that's going to be three movies. Like, wait, yeah. that thing is two hours long. Like, what? You know, why? Why are they doing that? And I sort of have that feeling, too. Like, yeah, why are they? Why are they doing that? It just makes it Ching, seem like Ching. fun. For yeah. money, they're doing it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually saw the movie, uh, and I even saw it in 3D. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's nothing, uh, I mean. Did you see the, I, um, 48 frames per second or whatever it is? Well, you know, I don't think so. I, I'm not sure there's even a theater in France equipped, oh, okay. to, you know, to do this kind of stuff. I mean, there probably is one or two or three, but I, I don't think mine I did. I didn't notice anything special, so maybe okay. I'm just, you know, impervious or, you know, more, more likely it's just, you know, it was just, you know, standard 3D. And of course the 3D wow. brought very little to the, you know, to the movie and the movie itself, yeah, I don't know. It's just more of the Peter Jackson, you know, 
they, they, you know, they modified things, you know, so it would appeal, you know, it would be more appealing to the, to the, you know, mainstream crowd. And, uh, I don't, I don't think it, it I don't think it, uh, benefits the story, but, you know. His, his movies, like his Lord of the Rings movies, they feel like mini, like television miniseries. Like just in the style and tone and everything, just with a lot of money. Like hundred million dollar television miniseries. What were you going to say, Walter? I was, I was just going to say, building on what Azil said, I heard they made changes to the structure of the story to justify the fact they're splitting it in three parts, basically. They had to make each movie sort of stand on its own, so they kind of introduce a villain who may or may not have actually been a villain in the last, in the actual book. The White Orc. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff, you know, even the battles, uh, to be honest, even the battles felt a bit long after a while, you know, it's, it's, uh, the movie felt long to me, like too long. And yeah. there's the part with Radagast is, uh, I think the, you know, the worst part of the movie, it's really, it's something there just, you know, it's essentially fan fiction. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's not how I pictured it, you know, when I read the book and, and such, so, you know, I, I, I wasn't a big fan of that. And but you know yeah it just I mean it lets itself being watched I'm sure there's people out there to to say it's uh, you know it's great it's excellent even you know so I actually have not seen any stellar reviews of it has anybody else read anything that was like whoa was anybody uh, not like of like regular critic reviews like I I the funniest review I saw I don't know if I mentioned already was a guy comparing it to like. He said, oh, Peter Jackson didn't even really want to direct this movie, and I didn't want to watch it, but here here we were in the theater in some sort of bizarre, like, suicide pact, you know, to watch The Hobbit. And I was like, that is a great review. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, if I yeah, ever sat so, down and watched that movie, it'd be, like, begrudgingly. Like, I guess I'll watch it because I feel like I have to. Yeah, you know, it's obligatory. Like, all right, I guess I'm going to do this. But I don't know. I mean, some people, I guess. I mean, I guess you have to just be – into all of that stuff. I mean, because they don't, they truly don't make these kind of movies all the time. You know, there is that. So if you like these kind of movies, if this is like your favorite kind of movie, like a fantasy movie like this or this genre, like there's more games that come out like this than than movies really. So this would be a big deal. Like I know Oberi's a big fan of it. You know, and he, uh, the, I don't know, he, you raise a good you raise a good point, and that is. You know, the people that are fans of this movie, aren't they already super invested in other genres of this kind anymore at this point? You know, do they really need to justify their, you know, their interest with a big budget movie anymore? Well, it's the only, it's the only movies that come out. It's not, I mean, it's not like Lord of the Rings spurned a bunch of like Lord of the Rings clones that were like almost as good or anything, you know, like well, we in, got, on, uh, on film. You got Game got of the, Thrones, the- I guess. Yeah, the Narnia stuff, you know, they adapted the mm-hmm. Narnia series uh, shortly afterwards, and I think it was right. pretty much just uh, a Me Too thing, like, hey, yeah, yeah, there's these other stories yeah. that's almost as good, but not really, you know. So I, I think yeah. we did get this stuff, but it, it just yeah, wasn't right. very put forward. And I think they also adapted another series. Uh, I think the first, you know, volume is called The Golden Compass or something like that. Even, they even made Correct. games about it. It's more recent, yeah. but I think it's also the same wave. I mean, there will always be people to try to ride the wave, but uh, obviously not on the extent the Hobbit is compared to The Lord of the Rings. I was. It right. reminds me of like when Conan came out in the '80s, and like you know, you had like Red Red Sonia, you know, and like you had all these sword yeah. and sandal like ripoffs come out. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same kind of stuff. Yeah. What were some of the Star Trek clones? Other than the Star episodes Trek? one through three. 
Sorry, so Star Wars. Sorry, Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars clones? Yeah. What what wrote on Star Wars coattails? Oh, other shit. Than I mean, well, there's like those things like, I mean, I guess like you could say the last Starfighter, you know, and things like that. I mean, there was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's what, I mean, it's what came to mind. Yeah, it was the last Starfighter. Well, really, like the Star Wars, it wasn't even like people tried to make Star Wars movies, but it was it changed the way people made movies, just like, yeah, you know, the way sure, people sure. made action movies. It changed the whole industry. And, yeah, and blockbusters. Big yeah, every movie became like Star Wars, even if it was about something completely different. But I mean, I guess also the the sci-fi, like the way sci-fi exploded after Star Wars, like you know they weren't like Star Wars per se, but it, you know instead of like there being like oh hey two thousand and one oh an alien and these movies get right. made every five years or something, and now it's like there's a million of them to choose from. Right. It breathed new life into into sci-fi. Is it the way I look at it? You know, it, it gave yeah, sci-fi it, it, another chance. It legitimized it. You know, before that, people either, you know, like, even even movies like 2001 and Alien, which were big critically acclaimed, like, it wasn't like people took them, like, seriously. Like, they, they were great right. films, but only the great films got taken seriously. Like, the genre itself, you know, yeah. people still thought of it as, like, spaceships on strings. Right, right. Buck Rogers stuff. Yeah. Well, what do you guys I'm dog sitting. I heard, I heard the dog in the background earlier. Oh yeah, did you hear the dog whining and like yeah, the dog is in love with my dad, so Aww. it's very upset that he's gone. They never like had a night apart. <laughs> What's the dog's name? Billy. Aw. Billy. <laughs> and he's out acting uh acting sad. <laughs> so Azil, you saw the cyberpunk trailer? Uh yeah, yeah, I saw it, yeah. And you liked it? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Oh, it's a bit generic, you know, and yeah. uh, overdramatic. But, yeah, I, it, it did pique my interest. I'm not going to lie. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for this kind of shit. So, And sure. that's one, you know, Cyberpunk is, you know, the one part of sci-fi that's been, you know, left to the side, you know, sort yep, of. I you agree. Know? So, yeah, we, we've had Deus Ex, and I'm not complaining about that, but, yeah, there could have been uh, more. And so, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, complain. So uh, let's see what is. And uh, isn't it done by CD Projekt, right? It is, yeah, CD Projekt, makers of The yeah. Witcher. Yeah, things, so... uh, I never got too into The Witcher, which is, makes me, like, more critical of this than I would normally be. If it was an unknown, if it was, if it was an unknown company, I'd probably be a little more inviting, but because of The Witcher, it's like, I never really sunk my teeth into the, into that, the way they approached the, the series, so I'm a little worried about this, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, but... I'm, I'm as excited as you are, the fact that someone's giving Cyberpunk another chance, the, basically. The thing is, yeah, I mean, the, the I played the, a part of the original game, uh, I mean, the Witcher game, and, yeah, yeah it kind of bored me, you know, because I like to do everything in a game, like to do every mm -hmm. side quest and such, and there were so many after a while, it just, you know, I mean, I just put it down and said, okay, yeah, sure, I'll pick it up tomorrow, and I never did. Yeah. So, yeah, but that being said, I mean, these games have, you know, been, you know, I mean, they're not bad games and they've gotten great reviews, you know, so I'm not going to hold it against them. I guess we'll just see, you know. Yeah, I should install The Witcher 2 and give that a shot now that I have a system that can run it, finally. <laughs> well, I don't have anything else planned for the rest of the show. Do you guys want to cut it off now? Yeah, uh, sure. well, hey, hey, as you know, tomorrow it's the season uh, or the mid-season premiere of Bones coming back. Oh, oh God! Back in. <laughs> God, 
Yeah, I've actually uh, I heard you guys talking about that last episode. I've, <laughs> I've I've seen I've seen most of Bones, and I, I've seen really? like probably probably maybe three fourths of it. But uh, it stopped because it stopped being interesting to me. Like I, I stopped watching maybe two seasons ago because it just it became kind of lame in almost every single aspect. Like to me, that shows about the characters. The stupid murder of the day. Is like the worst part of the show, like the most yeah. unrealistic, just stupid yeah. shit that happens in that show. I only really care about the character relations and the character um, dialogue is usually funny. I think Booth's a really cool character and funny. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, that's the only reason I was ever interested in that show. And when they focus so much on their stupid murder of the day stuff, it's just like, oh, I don't really care about this at all. You know, it's boring. Yeah, the well, there was. I guess you guys missed like the big change in the show. I don't know if you knew from the ads. I don't want to spoil it if you ever go back. But there, they, they kind of cheat the audience on the character yeah. relationship front in a way. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about, and that is exactly when I stopped watching the show. Yeah, and it like it does affect the show because like, well, the thing with the show is is like it's only interesting to see those like yeah those casual relationships, but at the same time, the show never commits to a bigger linear narrative. Yeah, like it's always just sort of you know they like they like to keep it where they can just sort of keep it episodic where you can like tune in and tune out. So yeah, it that's seems why, that's why you should that's why you guys should watch The Wire. Because <laughs> The Wire, yeah, I was like The Wire. If I watch, I felt like I feel like I'm watching three shows in one when I watch The Wire, and I don't mean like three yeah. different shows at once. I mean it's just so crammed with content. Yeah. Like there's so much going on. Yeah, I'm like. And uh, there are other shows that I like, of course, and I've crossed the years, but that's, that's the only show I would say that has like a continuous story. It, it doesn't really ever fall back on a procedural style. Like it doesn't have a, here's your core group of people and what's the most of the mystery of the week kind of thing. It's, 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 it's basically just one giant story that happens to be set over the course of five seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'd rather like, I'd rather watch uh, NCIS, uh, you know, than Bones. There, I, I said it. Then the, I thought you were going to say then the wire. Just to no, no, I'm sure the wire is good, you know. But uh, I'm not watching any shows right now. Sure. I can't muster the energy. But yeah, no, I'll watch the wire. I mean, if I have to watch another series, it will be the wire. You know, people around me keep telling me I should watch Homeland and uh, what's it? Of course, Games on Tro- Game of Thrones and. Uh, if you read the books, you've read enough, man. Yeah, I yeah, no. Uh, I, mean, I, I never watched. I never watch uh, Game of Thrones. You know, never. I mean, I'd rather you know, I'd rather do anything than do that. And uh, yeah, Homeland. I, I think I, I hear good stuff, so I'm sure it's it's good. But uh, yeah, if I have to watch uh, another series, it's going to be uh, The Wire. Maybe even Star Trek. You know, even though I've spent my whole life despising people to like Star Trek and just yeah, know. dude. Like I like I said before, the, mm. the fans are what make that series embarrassing. The, the show by itself is really quite. High quality, in my opinion. Well, I'll see. I'll see. Yeah. I'll see <laughs> Plus, especially as a Mass Effect fan, I mean, there's so many things. Yeah, I, mean, I know. It's it's a you know it's a it's a loving steal, but it's a it's a steal, you know. Oh, yeah. yes. I know. Yeah, I know that. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Walter, have you heard? Yeah. I've heard this about. I, I mean, I just hear it from my dad. But tell me if this is like come back to you from fans in the comic i heard season three of the walking dead is at least pretty entertaining i've i haven't watched the show since the season two premiere well i I know but i mean is it just have you heard anything from like comic fans on it 
like fans uh, of the comic series that feel that way or just no? Like, are you plugged in at all? Honestly, the only, the only conversation I ever see about the show is on Twitter, which is people that don't follow the comic and on our forum, yeah. which is people that kind of are doing both and seem to like it. Uh, but from what I've seen in the show, I just can't reconcile the character differences. I mean, but yeah, it's, I mean, like I said before, a billion times in the show, I like The Walking Dead straight up for Rick as a character in the comic book. There are other things about that comic book that are good, but that, that's that's why I read it. It's like it's like Guts, you know. If it didn't have Guts and Berserk, I probably wouldn't be as interested in it. It's the same thing with Walking Dead to me. He's a unique character, yeah. and to change him like they do in the show to make him a generic hero, I just can't imagine anyone be interested in that. But that's, oh, that's just... well, I've I've heard that they've uh, they've done some things with it. My basically my number one source is like my dad. He'll tell me you know what's going on because he he hated season two. He yeah. thought it was just a total bore. You know, the whole thing was them on the farm, and he was like, you know, you're saying, like, are we going to see a zombie, you know, like, or anything? But he says season three has just been, like, a huge zombie kill fest, basically, with a bunch of twisted and weird stuff. And that Rick has really come along as, like, a guy who, you know, <laughs> like, I guess, you know, if he, if he can, if he smells wrong on you, he's not yeah. going to give you the benefit of the doubt or do the right thing. He's going to take care of it. Yeah, that's the Rick I know. So, yeah, so maybe they've uh, turned that around. Uh, yeah, now. That, that is. I mean, it makes sense that the transition would happen now because they're approaching the story arc in the comic that pretty pretty much grounds that whole series. Like everyone refers to it as the prison arc. It's it's like you know, it's like the if effectively, it's like the golden age. It's the part everyone talks what, about. Yeah, it's what it's it sort of draws people to it. You know? it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it makes sense that if the show's addressing that, that it would be getting them higher quality. So. I, I might give it a shot. I, again, I just don't have a lot of interest in it, and you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably give it a shot one day. Yeah. When's Breaking Bad coming back on this summer? Oh, I've been thinking about that. I didn't want to mention it though to open that can of worms. Yeah, it's supposed to be this summer. I, I every once in a while I check for interviews and things to see if like what Vince Gilligan is saying about it. <laughs> and I don't know. He's like, the I last don't know how it's gonna end, guys. I don't really know. Well, yeah, there t it is basically that. Like, we've got some ideas that we'll do better things, and you know, he says he's scared to death. You're talking about how you know you don't want 10% of the you know your viewers to say it sucks, or like you don't want 90% to say it sucks, and for 10% to say it's great. He says obviously you want to reverse that, but you can't make everyone happy. Stuff I, like I, that. I feel like they're thinking that, about that, it too much. Exactly. That grosses me. That that whole yeah, it worries me. It seriously worries me that they're concerned about fan reaction. They should be concerned about writing a story that's true to the characters and true to the story they've had before. It shouldn't matter how yeah, the well, people are going to respond. That should not be I need to watch. Uh, I need to watch season five again just because, like, I didn't – it's not that I, that I dislike it, but I didn't really like season five. You know what I mean? Where it's like I – talked about mm -hmm. it in outtakes. I, I agree. We've, I, I'm, I'm on the same page with you. Season five is yeah. probably – Gets to the show. If you if you look at each individual season, season five covered the let the least ground and had the least like stuff happen in it, and it was also kind of boring to watch because it didn't have like a a true like development. Really, it's kind of like yeah. a, the whole the whole story's in uh what's the word um parrot uh, what's the word when you're between life and death purgatory. Thank you, purgatory. Yeah, it it does feel like that, and it is and it is like a weird like because it's like they're getting between season four, which could have been like the end of the series, they didn't know, and then season five part two that's coming out. It really is this weird like, literally yeah. in the lurch, 
where they're just sort of doing stuff and it doesn't it doesn't even feel like there's that like there's any consequences yeah like i don't know it's very weird in a way like i feel like we're in this weird awkward like trying to wrap it up phase and it's like and they're really thinking about it and it is awkward where it's like oh how are we going to make this work we got to make it the best ending we can make it but it's like well just try to make it an appropriate ending exactly that's how i feel as well but I don't know what they're going to do by that smoke monster, though. I mean, are you ever going to explain oh that? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, you know, is it going to – I don't know. Who's the man in black? <laughs> are they going to get off the island or are they going to have to go back to the island? That's, what is that's, the golden power? That is sort of like the things that were going through my head when I was reading that Vince Gilligan thing that was posted in the thread. I was like, this is just reminding me as the show as Lost got towards the end. I was like, oh, it really is going to be a clusterfuck, isn't it? Yeah, it, it does make it worrisome. Where it's like, wow, are they gonna are they gonna fuck this up <laughs> like really bad? Ugh. But that being said, the, the worst episode, the worst season of Breaking Bad is still pretty fucking good. You know? Yeah, it was still it was still good. I'm not. I don't. That's the thing. I don't think it's like bad. I just didn't like it. Like I wasn't like, oh man, this is awesome. But you know, I have to watch it again to see if maybe part of it was watching it like week to week. Yeah, you know, because I, I watched the rest of the series at my at my leisure, so it's like I could watch an ending and be like, "Oh my god, I got to see the next part." But ah. this one, I felt like the next part never came. Like where it's like, "Oh, I need the next exciting part," and it's like, eh, moved on to something else. And I, it, it I was always watching season four episode to episode was pretty exciting. Whereas yeah. watching season five, it just kind of I was like, I was watching it and I was. Excited to watch each episode, but it never really delivered in the same level to me. Yeah, well, it, to me, it, it was weird. It was like it lost it on two grounds. On Like, there were two things I love about Breaking Bad. It's either the really grounded stuff, where it's like, I guess season three, most of it is like this, where it's like Walter just dealing with, you know, cleaning up his shit and his family and trying to make it work, and sort of reluctantly getting pulled into... Uh, Azeel, you can Azeel, you can go if you want to, man. Yeah, I'm probably going to go now. Okay. Because I'm just checking uh, the Mass Effect store, you know, so that's the whole board I am. Oh, come on. Aren't you there getting like a tree? Store? They have, they have, yeah, they have a, no, it's a Mass Effect store. They have a watch, actually. They have a watch. That's pretty neat. You should get another watch because your, your, um, you your pebble's enough. not going to arrive for a few months, right? So, I mean. Uh, no, I think it's going to arrive in March. I thought they began shipping later this month, right? Yeah, they're beginning to ship uh, on the 23. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm pretty late in it because I waited to order. So, but yeah, I think it's gonna. They're shipping uh, um, 15,000 a week. Mm. So, I mean, they're manufacturing that much a week and they're probably shipping about as much a week. So, I expect to get mine in late March. Yeah. Speaking of shipping, I want to see if Az recognizes this or even knows what it is. Tell me if you can hear this, Az. Uh, it sounds like some kind of weird dog barking. Why? I got to go, guys. All right. Oh. All right. See you, Walter. Okay. See ya. Well. Hey, I don't... I I have no idea. It sounds like some kind of weird bark to me. It's a a falcon call. Oh oh whoa yeah yeah. You know, who the fuck would I? You know, actually, I I I don't think I've ever heard. You know, that particular call for a falcon. I'm no, this interested. is the this is the little falcon you sent to me. 
Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> I got it sitting here next to me on the desk. <laughs> well, you know, I, actually, I, I never heard, you know, it's, you know, sound, of course, because I didn't, you know. Now, like... now you're like, I, I'm not happy with the accuracy of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, yeah. They put the, maybe they put the wrong, like, sound in it. It's for another bird. <laughs> That's possible, but you know those are actually pretty, you know, high quality stuff. So I, I hope they got it right. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I dare. Although it's got like it's got a sort of a mean stare. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a falcon, you know. It's not yeah. supposed to just, you know, all cuisine and shit. <laughs> oh, nice. Yep. I oh, just well. saw it sitting here, you know, and I realized it was next to me, you know, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, I should. <laughs> yeah. Put this, yeah. Uh, put this on the program. <laughs> well, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, guess guess I'll be going anyway because I. Well, I have wait to a minute. What do you think of Breaking? Ba oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. Mean, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it's a great series. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Good talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Or did you have I more guess... you wanted to talk about? Or I, I thought you were trying to get off. We could talk about <laughs> cell phones for another hour and a half. Oh, fuck. No, no. I have to go. Please, let me go. All right, all right. <laughs> See you, <ass. laughs> All right. Ciao. Later.